Hello, and welcome to Love What I Love, a podcast where uh, 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 life uh, <laughs> uh, finds a way. We're your hosts, Andy and Masha. Hold on to your butts, because this week we're talking about Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is a 1993 adventure thriller written by Michael Crichton and David Cope, Kep, don't know how to say it, and directed by Steven Spielberg. It's based on the novel of the same name by Michael Crichton and follows paleontologist Sam Neill and his colleagues as they visit Jurassic Park, an upcoming theme park where they learned how to bring dinosaurs back to life. Some would say it's an adventure 65 million years in the making. Damn. That's, Stolen right from the trailer. That's a good tagline. It that's is, a actually. Good tagline. <laughs> Man, this movie right here is one of the reasons we started this podcast. Oh. Like when we first met, wait, we or like <laughs> one of the reasons I wanted, like I conceived this podcast. Yeah, like, okay. As like an idea was when we first met, and I saw, and I knew this was one of the movies you have never seen. I was like, I can't show this to her the wrong way. <laughs> I need to. It's a movie that's shocking that anyone our age. Or really, it's, it's just an American classic and it's crazy you haven't seen it. So this is up there with kind of like the Shawshank Redemptions and stuff. Where like you, you still haven't seen that because like everything has to be perfect. Can we like slide into that with like an E.T.? <laughs> sure. I feel like I, emotionally I'm not ready for Shawshank. <laughs> <With an E-T. laughs> we just saw this in theaters because it got re-released for the 30th anniversary. The odds. And uh, yeah, so once I saw that, I was like, this is the way to see it. Granted, it wasn't 3D, which I didn't expect because it didn't say it anywhere on the ticket. Yeah. Um, and But I don't know. You can tell me your opinion of someone who saw it for the first time. But it annoyed me a little in the beginning, but then I pretty much ignored it. And also, it was pretty good 3D, so I thought they like did a pretty good job. Yeah, I would say I could have gone without it, but Agreed. it didn't bother me. Yeah. Usually with 3D movies, like there's a reason, right? Like it's 3D, yeah. but... It, it was just weird. Like, people were having regular conversations, and it was 3D, so I was just like, ah, oh, we don't really need yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> like, for the most part. Yeah. But anyway. Um, but some of the dinosaur stuff worked. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the 3D version. <laughs> we're going to pretend that it's just the good old-fashioned OG movie. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this movie's a goddamn behemoth. You know, Research Alone was his... I'm not going to use the word nightmare because I enjoy doing research, but it was the closest thing I got to being a nightmare of just like there's too much information. There's books written, documentaries. The DVD alone took me like five. The Blu-ray took me like four or five hours to get through all, yeah. the, all the content. <laughs> and this movie has been spoken about to death by people much smarter than you and I. So I'm not going to get too stressed about like teaching you every single minute detail. And let's just talk about how this movie makes you feel. Yeah. And I got facts. Don't, don't get me wrong. I know some. I, know, I learned some stuff about it. Um, but it's just like, I mean, without getting too far ahead, like the influence of this movie is pretty huge. Like, I think it's it, this movie changed cinema the way a lot of like new technology did. Uh huh. And that's because it was influenced in this movie. But like, it's it's crazy. Uh, like the shift you can see from 1993 before and after, like what Hollywood and blockbusters did. This is cool. And in terms of like Spielberg's work, is this this is after Jaws, right? Much after, yeah. Jaws okay. is. 73, I'm going to say without looking it up, but okay. not, maybe 74, somewhere like pre-1975. Jaws was, he technically made, um, it wasn't his first movie, but I think it was his first big, no, it wasn't, I lied. Wait, fuck. Jaws was up there. Yeah, actually, no, no, he, it wasn't his first movie, but it was one of his first, like, he was a like, green young, and okay. he wasn't Steven Spielberg. I'm just thinking time. in terms of, like, creating that thrilling effect, like, yeah. it sounds, it 
seems like he it started already, and then yeah. by now he's an expert. I mean, you know, it's you can always pinpoint a lot of movies, but Jaws has been kind of given the title as like the first summer blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it pulled in so much money, especially from like teens and kids and adults. Like it was like it was like a smash hit that like you have to see in theaters. And not that that never happened before, but like it was. It was like marketed that way, and and like so that 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 then became like oh that's what we got to do like summertime we got to get some some big movies going like right Star Wars is a few years after that like it's it's just like it started what we now always see which is these blockbusters that's cool so it's like yeah Spielberg can be credited for like kind of creating the modern blockbuster and then fucking changing it twenty years <laughs> later yeah this is just roughly twenty years after Jaws wow and that's um, crazy yeah. And it, it's just so different. Like, Jaws was just, like, kids experimenting. And with this movie, I kind of think this is just, like, one of the reasons it works so well is every whatever job someone's doing, they're kind of the top of their field. Mm-hmm. So they got Stan Winston doing the animatronics. He's Him and his team are known as the greatest animatronic makers of all time. You know, Stan is short for outstanding. Yeah, yeah exactly. Outstanding <laughs> Winston. <laughs> so fucking stupid. <laughs> You got uh, IL- ILM doing the CGI, which is George Lucas's company. Like oh. they, they were the top top dogs of that. Like they were the only ones who ever really fucked with CGI before. You got John Williams doing the score, who was you know one of the most probably the most celebrated composer of all time. Ah, no! That's not it. It doesn't sound like the tune that George Lucas needs for his new Star Wars meets Indiana Jones movie. Think John Williams. You got Steven Spielberg, who's, you know, just one of the top directors. Like, so it's just like, they really, like, this was an amalgamation of just, like, getting everyone at the top of their game also so excited. Like, yeah. That's what the, take, the takeaway I got from most of these documentaries was, like, especially the ones that were filmed in 1993, not the ones where it's them older looking back on the movie. The excitement is there. Like, you see it where people are just like, like, we couldn't believe, like... Like Stan Winston, literally, he's like, he's like, I don't normally watch my work. He's like, I can still watch Jurassic Park and be like, we did that. Aww. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he like he doesn't even believe that. I love that. That's cool. And for the record, I know this isn't a visual medium, medium, but the audience needs to know that you're wearing a Jurassic Park shirt right now. I mean, I might be. I mean, I might be. <laughs> All right, I'm taking a picture. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's my Jurassic Park shirt. I don't often have a shirt for the movie we're doing. You know, it's like, I don't have a lot of movie shirts. Uh, and you but, bought me this shirt, so don't act like I'm right. sitting here like i'm a fiend and i went to the store and got a Jurassic park shirt man you, you gotta be prepared to take it i, I wasn't prepared <laughs> you give it you gotta get right back but that is so cool that they feel that way still to this day yeah, i mean it's it's so nuts so well like i mean just for starters i have tons to say about my kind of background with this so I mean, I know it was your first time seeing it, Masha, but it's not your first time hearing of Jurassic Park. Oh, no. So even even though you never saw it, what's like, were you aware of it? Like, why didn't you see it? And then I know you might, you've seen one of the sequels later on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to work, have worked at NBC and not seen Jurassic Park all over the place. Yeah. I guess to take a step back. Universal, yeah. Yeah. It's one uh, of their biggest franchises. Oh, absolutely. But Fast and Furious. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're, they're a lot, but for sure. Um, I guess when I was a kid, I always knew of Jurassic Park, but I think 
my initial memory is that I was too scared to watch it. Yeah. And it wasn't a movie that my mom had any interest in watching, so yeah. it just never happened. Based on, yeah, based on the movies you two bonded over, it doesn't seem like this has a lot of whatever you're looking for. Yeah, and I just didn't want to be scared, you Not know? Even a, like... a shirtless Goldblum didn't do it for your mom? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if she knows who Goldblum is. Oh, man. And I don't think he would be her type. What? It's actually funny. I think this is my first, like, Goldblum film. That's crazy. <laughs> really? Yeah. I feel it, like you've seen some stuff maybe where he was... I mean, besides in, those commercial season... I don't know. He shows up in those Marvel movies sometimes. I'm sure you've seen one of those. Like, he probably was in an Avengers or something and yeah. he said something. All but that, I know what you mean. Like yeah. Like, I can't, like, think of something that, like, oh, that's a gold blue movie. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I just never got around to watching it and then you know, worked at NBC for quite a few years. And it's actually pretty funny because I remembered once we saw, there's a shot in this movie that I cut in a promo. And so now I'm realizing I actually scrubbed through the movie to edit a Jurassic Park promo. Oh, that's so funny. And that's, <laughs> like, the, that's that could be the worst way to to appreciate this movie the first time. So it's just funny to me that nothing stuck and I just like was scrubbing through editing a pr- promotion spot for Jurassic Marathon nice. and just nothing stuck right. with me. Good, I'm glad. So got lucky, really lucky there. But yeah, I just never, like I knew of it. I knew it was Steven Spielberg but never really had a passion to see it. And then you were like, you haven't seen Jurassic Park? First of all, everyone responds <laughs> that way when you tell them you haven't seen Jurassic Park. I am not the only one who went you did not see i guess but i'm happy that i got to see it in theaters like everyone else did in the 90s yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now in 2023 yep. um i would love to know about your experience um, with Jurassic. i uh, i'm down to go into that but i do also just want to say the thing that got me so nervous about showing you this movie was though because when you worked at Universal you often got to go to free screenings oh yeah you saw what I consider the worst of all six (laughs) movies which is Jurassic World 2 that fucking movie's a (laughs) goddamn mess I truly just just don't like it like at all like like from beginning to end and you saw it before me because I I forgot why like we weren't living together yet I think we were just starting we were early on dating and like you went like with some co-workers and then I saw it later, and I literally was like, that's her introduction to Jurassic Park. Because, <laughs> you know, it's a, this is a movie of spectacle and wonderment. And, like, so nowadays you can make anything you want show up on the screen. Like, we've seen it all. Like, yeah. there's, there's not a single CGI monster or creature we haven't seen a concept of at this point that's going to blow our minds. So I was worried, like, the wonderment of the movie would be gone. Uh-huh. Because you saw, like, a future one where the dinosaurs can do much more because the CGI is, you know unlimited yeah um and they're not quite as like limited movement but and and it's been a while since i watched jurassic park one like actually watched it um but all those fears went away because i forgot that in filmmaking it's everything coming together that makes it work like Mm. like it's i don't know you can tell me if you felt a different way but even me watching it for the hundredth time 40 years later i like they were i got goosebumps at parts like i was just like this is magic man like this is Mm. you know and like they just like we'll talk about the sequels in the future but like nothing even comes close. yeah i definitely want to talk about that because even though i watched those chris pratt movies nothing you only saw one of them oh i thought i saw two no, nah, oh, you definitely whatever. didn't see the third one because we were living together and I saw that one. Oh, I didn't see the third one, but I feel oh, like I saw, saw the first, the first one. one through work. Yeah, um, but yeah, I just, <laughs> I feel like I saw it, but like nothing stuck with me. So I feel like I didn't see it. Yeah. But like, I think I was just bored watching it. It's, so it's remarkable how I can sit through a three hour <laughs> blockbuster sometimes and like three days later, I'm just like, I don't remember. Like, a lot. Yeah. Like, I remember almost nothing of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. And it's only was a month it's and a half ago that I saw it. Crazy. And I was like, yeah, I think like 
Yeah, he was on a motorcycle. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like I got nothing. They like, were going down a hill. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like, you think, I think of the first, like, four Mission Impossibles, and it's just like, I got him. Like, I don't yeah. know if it's an age thing, or, like, I just was, like, more excited back then. No, because I would, I will remember parts of this, so we'll... That's true. That's you true. Know. That's true. That's true. But, yeah, just, it, I will agree that this movie has, like, a feel for it, so, like, no matter when you watch it, you're always gonna... It it's it's like one of those like time capsule movies. It feels like yeah yeah. But yeah, as far as my history goes, I mean, I did see this in theaters. I barely actually. I'll be honest, I don't remember. I was three years old. It was nineteen ninety three. I have a shitload of cousins, so like we kind of went as like a cousin trip, and all my cousins are older than me, so like I just kind of went, even though they were like, yeah, fuck <laughs> it. It's the beauty of having like the you know being a first generation over here like my parents never cared too much about media and like freaked out like you know it's definitely a little harsh for a three-year-old but yeah. i was there oh my and god i was told during the t-rex chasing the car scene i peed my pants uh, oh no i've told you this before i don't remember yeah i've definitely told you that oh my god i mean i was three years old i was so scared i was pissed everywhere that's um, so yeah <laughs> so again don't remember it but i i but i do remember just the hype like stick jurassic park was just everything for like the rest of the 90s for me like uh-huh. i had the toys like my cousin my cousin would get some toys i would get some toys we had the video games like saw the sequels had it on vhs like jurassic park was just part of it jurassic park the dinosaurs are on a rampage and only the jp team is tough enough to stop them grant fires his net launcher ellie launches her grappling hook Doom fires a tranquilizer each sold separately it's happening but only at jurassic park i didn't like broccoli as a kid uh-huh. and then my mom told me that they were tiny trees and i could be like the bronchiosauruses who, who eat from the trees and then i would sit there and pretend i was the dinosaur i love this so e- much eating. and then i was like oh this tastes good and then i liked broccoli oh after my that. god like and uh you <laughs> know the 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 dilophosaurus the one that uh with that that, that shoots at newman yeah yeah the one that would yeah, yeah. so this wasn't my mom i remember this was we had a we had a tenant um, in my parents' house, and they had a son who was roughly a little bit older than me, but like they moved out when before I was even 10. But when I was a kid, we played. Mm-hmm. And I remember he would take uh, cucumber slices and put his finger through it. So it was like the, oh. it looked like a Dilophosaurus, like around his finger. <laughs> like it was just everything was. That is so funny. One time he told me that there was uh, dinosaurs in my basement. Uh, and my, my dad had a bar back there, so you could like walk behind the bar and like duck down and you couldn't see it. And uh-huh. he told me there was a Dilophosaurus back there. And then he took my Buzz Lightyear toy and he went back there and took a Sharpie and like drew black all over his mask. And he came out and he's like, look, it spit on your toy. Oh my god! And gosh. like, I believed, you know, because I, I was like three and this kid was like seven. So like he got really oh. like fuck around and lie to me. Dang. Um, but just just all that to put into a world of how much like Jurassic Park was like the oh, thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, like people talk about <clears throat> certain movies like meaning something to them when they were a kid. Like like I've all always loved Star Wars, especially because I saw the re-releases when I was young enough. But I'll never get that feeling of a kid born in 1965 who was like or whatever, maybe like 1969 who was like eight when Star Wars came out mm-hmm. and like just was like like didn't even know that was possible. But that was this for me. Yeah. Like I I hadn't seen a lot of movies before this but i still was just like like oh you can do anything on, on a camera like i didn't like you know what i mean like it just didn't it blew my fucking little mind and then yeah like i didn't really i didn't really get it's big i didn't really understand how big its impact was but like looking back now and i'm just like so mad like right after this they greenlit the american version of godzilla like like it was just like everything was just like let's, let's make this let's make this let's make this like uh-huh. it was just like this this was like a test 
And usually sometimes when the person who does it first doesn't really do it best. Like sometimes it's like, oh, the first time you see a technology, it's in this movie. But it's like whatever. But then later this guy comes along and like, yeah. like this was just like, it's crazy. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's a wild, wild movie. So um, you first watched it when you were three, and then I guess it sounds like you would just rewatch it. As yeah, when like it, I, either I had the VHS is like something that my cousin had, and I don't even remember, but like it was just around. Cool, and it was on TV a lot. And so you must have gotten a ton of goosebumps when we went to Universal and did the Jurassic ride. Yeah, it actually worked. I didn't think I didn't know it was gonna like hit like that, but when you're riding on that water and the doors open up and the music's playing and you hear Richard Attenborough going "Welcome to Jurassic Park," <laughs> you're like fuck you. Welcome to Jurassic Park. And what's even cooler is like, I don't know about you, but like, when we were on that ride, even though I know all the fucking dinosaurs are animatronics, when you get close to them, it's <laughs> kind of still scary. Well, because the sound, too. The sound, but also just, like, the general weight of them. I'm like, this thing could still, like, kill me if it teetered <laughs> over, you know what I mean? But, like, <laughs> like when, the, when the fucking things pop out and it's right in front of your face, like, it works. And, you know, we'll talk about this movie, too. Like, as much as I just talked about how it changed everything with the CGI and stuff. It's not that much CGI. Mm. It's mostly animatronics. And then whenever they did like big wide shots, then it was CGI. But like all this shit got built. That yeah. T-Rex is a real motherfucker. Like it was 1,200 pounds and 40 feet long and scared the fuck out of everybody. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it's insane. <laughs> so, but, but yeah. So, and then I've always kind of been harping on that on this podcast too, where it's like CGI always kind of works best when you're using it to supplement real stuff right it's like, not the whole thing it's why fast and furious got better after getting worse because eventually they went full cgi for almost everything and then it got boring and then for the next movie they're like no no we're gonna crash real cars mm-hmm. and then we'll use cgi to put vin diesel's head on a stuntman like that's where you should be using it you know what i yeah. mean like, stuff like that which was why i was mostly disappointed when jurassic world came out you know it was like a 20 year wait i was very excited and like i was just like man even for the close-ups you couldn't build a raptor like <laughs> like you know it just doesn't look right when they're getting right in their face i don't even know if is I mean Spielberg is obviously attached to Jurassic like the IP, but yeah. I don't know how much he's involved in these. I think he's just a producer. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he's more involved. I haven't really like looked into the making of them, but um, I just think it's he just gets the, he gets yeah. paid every time they I do mean, it. You know, don't hate it for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like, and he already came, he made the sequel, so like he's done his. He's it's not like he made one and walked away. Oh, I can't wait to ask you about that later. Oh, and when I was listing everyone, when I said everyone at the top of the game, this movie was also shot by Dean Cundey, who's like a legendary cinematographer. Um, he's done so many m- massive movies, but for me, he's the guy who shot Halloween. Oh, so, but uh, Dean wow. Cundey's just a goddamn master. I mean, if you want to build suspense, that sounds like the right guy yeah. in terms of a DP. Seriously. So just a little background, like into how this like movie worked. Spielberg always loved dinosaurs, like especially especially as like a kid, like seeing King Kong. Uh, King Kong. It's not the first time we saw dinosaurs on screen, but like King Kong in 1933 wrestles a T Rex, and like for the time, it's crazy. And like again, that's for kids of that age. That's mm-hmm. that's their Star Wars and their Jurassic Park. So he was always into dinosaurs and stuff. Um, and then as throughout the 80s, with when CGI started coming into movies for the first time and he he made a movie called young sherlock holmes that has the it has like a knight that comes to life out of um what's the church glass called pain glass 
Yeah. Yeah, like a bunch of pane so. glass breaks and it like, comes to life and it's like a, it's it's considered the first like fully CGI character in a movie. Oh. It's only one scene, but like and it doesn't even look dang good. Um, but <laughs> but it's a first. Yeah, it's a first. And so like he was finally like, holy shit, we could do some wild stuff. And then um, Michael Crichton, who was the writer of the book, he's he's a very famous writer. Uh, so by by the time the '90s came, he was already known as like a hit maker. Mm-hmm. So his book, they, four movie studios were already publishing for the rights of Jurassic Park before it was even published. Oh, like he was just like, I'm writing this dinosaur book, and they were like, everyone's like, get it this. Wow. Now. Spielberg already knew Crichton. They were working on. I didn't know this. Apparently, the two of them created ER together a few years later. So they were discussing ER. Oh, my God. And then that's when Spielberg was like, hey, what are you working on, by the way, like, book-wise? And he was like, oh, I'm doing this dinosaur book. And then Spielberg immediately called Universal, and they were like, we're fucking... And they ended up bidding oh, interesting. one and a half million dollars to get the rights. That's really interesting because I didn't... I wouldn't have thought the timing of the writing of the book was so close. Yeah, the book came out in 1990, and the movie came out in 93. Wow. But it also took three years to make the movie, so, like, it, it was... And amazing. you've never read the book, right? Yeah, I never read it. I wonder um, if it's good. <laughs> I think it's good. Um, I just I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've I've done research on like the differences, so we can talk about it. But they're, they're decently minor. Like Crichton also got hired to write the first draft of the screenplay. Oh, so he he got hired. He got paid one point five million for the rights, and then he got paid another half million to write the screenplay. Damn. And then they hired David Kep, who's the second writer, to come along and like streamline it. Right. He's a big sci-fi guy, so before Spielberg and Kep got their hands on it, it was much more of a. There's a lot of like. A lot of exposition, a lot of talking about the science, and they, they streamline that a lot. Nice. The cartoon that we watched, like the Mr. DNA, like that stuff was riddled throughout the whole book, and they were like, we're just going to put it in one sequence, like seven minutes, and explain everything, and uh-huh. then move on. Like, which I think is smart. Like, I think I think Spielberg really understood what people wanted to see. Yeah. And like the parts of this movie that you could consider lacking, I kind of think were done on purpose. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he he they got the rights and immediately went to work. It's kind of crazy where, like, they weren't planning on doing CGI. Like, they really, you know, again, it wasn't it wasn't a tested thing. Like, they weren't about to just invest this much into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the plan was to always use animatronics for the small stuff and then for the big stuff to use, like, stop motion, like the old days. And this is where I learned a little bit. I didn't have, I didn't know any of this before. But at that point in stop motion, um, the people who were, like, the best at it, the heads, this guy, Phil Tippett, he had a he had a system called Go Motion, which basically got rid of like the jerkiness. So when you watch stop motion from like the 60s, 70s, and 80s, it's very like jerky. Yeah. And he got a way that made it a lot more smooth. But when Steven saw it, he's like a perfectionist. He's still like, I can still see it. Like it's yes, it's better, but it's still jerky. Like like I Steven was like, the only goal of this movie is to make people think these are real. Yeah. I don't, we can't have a movie where people can see the strings of how we made this. Like, wow. He's like, I want to make this timeless. Yeah. So when you look back. And then the ILM guys just basically like did a test and they made those, uh, the stampeding, uh, I can't, I'm going to fuck up all the dinosaur names. I don't yeah. know. The, the stampeding uh, <laughs> um So they did that as a test and that was when Steven was like, holy fucking shit. And then they just like, and a lot of it was them learning on the fly, and then because you know Steven wants to make the best movie possible, like he made some like demands that started off pretty like not unreasonable, but like we don't know if we could do this. And then they ended up because in the beginning they were like, "All right, whenever we do the CGI stuff, like lock down the camera." And Steven was like, "You want me to lock down my camera every time there's dinosaurs?" Like, no, that's insane. Like, uh-huh. I'm, I'm moving the camera, we're dollying, and like we're making this exciting. And then they just like kind of had to figure it out, and wow. they, because they're fucking sick, they did. So, like, now in that scene when they're stampeding, when you watch it, it's fucking nuts. The way the camera's dollying, the cameras are running towards them. Yeah. And it's just, like, and, like, they had to figure that out. And it's not really like today where you could, like, pre-visualize shit. It's not like you got a monitor on set 
and you could like someone could sit there and make the dinosaurs for that monitor and you can kind of guess it like they had to just fully like just hope it was working like you know like they just had they had representatives on set like from from ILM and they would just be like all right we're seeing it like this like they'd look at the frame and be like all right and like literally with their wow. finger they'd like trace like all right he's gonna go right here <laughs> and just like it's such a far cry for like how it's done today where like everything can be pre-planned pre-looked at like yeah edited later. that must have been so magical on set I mean, I think it was nerve wracking. I mean, like, yeah, but like, you know you have what I no mean. Like, idea if it's gonna work. Just to be there when a take does work, yeah, must have been so cool. And because of like this new technology, like they were doing shit that was unheard of. Like they completely rewrote the ending on the fly, because mainly because after they shot the, the first T Rex sequence, Steven Spielberg was like, I knew exactly. Like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, that's the star of the movie. If this, if that T Rex doesn't come back in the third act, like people are gonna be pissed. Oh. So originally it was supposed to be just like raptors versus humans, yeah. And then they rewrote it so the T Rex came in, but and that's why that that whole sequence is basically CGI with the dinosaurs because they were on the fly able to be like, all right, fuck it, we're gonna do this, this, and this, and then they just pre-visualized it as like a CGI sequence, and it just like it was dope, you know. Cool. Um, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I it's all that to say like they were moving on the fly so much and. If if you get a ch- if you're interested at all in like effects and especially the early days of how this stuff worked, the DVD or the Blu-ray or whatever you get your hands on these days has so much good like before and after shots and mm-hmm. and what's crazy too is like because I don't want to be on the old man thing of today it's like this and it used to be like that <laughs> but like because CGI was so primitive you couldn't do things like make background CGI and and like make you know, like nowadays, if, if a T-Rex was chasing a car, they'll probably just like CGI everything, you know, because it's easier to like just animate the whole thing. But like back then, it was a little bit more like how when we spoke about Roger Rabbit, where like they had to figure out a way to invisibly move everything in the real world because they knew later a cartoon was going to interact with it. Mm-hmm. And so like that that was just a whole another huge challenge. So like when the car drives under the tree branch and the T-Rex is chasing them and bursts through the tree branch, like they had to figure out a way to invisibly explode that tree branch. As opposed to today, they would just everything would be CGI, the tree and the dinosaur. Yeah, and like so, it's just like these early days were magical, man. Like it was just like the limitations ended up making I think better like products. Uh, sorry if I missed this before, but is this an award-winning film? Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't go through any of that, huh? Did I? I, I got too excited. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, had a, it had a shitload of small awards, but for the Oscars, it won three. It was nominated and won three um, nice. for best sound. Best sound effects editing and best visual effects. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's like the three that I would. I'm. Su- I, I mean, I might even go for director. And I stuff was just gonna say director seems yeah. like it should have. But who I, knows I who we lost that, that too? Yeah. And honestly, maybe it was nominated for that and it didn't win. I just saw the wins. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the sound. As a sound guy, this is one of the most like inspiring. Not that I do that kind of sound. Like it's more sound engineering what they do, but it's. Yeah. I, we'll talk about that. The, the oh, dinosaur okay. sounds. Cool. There's so much. But yeah, I, I skipped a lot of other facts. I got too excited. The budget of this, which is hilariously, maybe maybe they budged this just to be funny, but it's $63 million, which is funny because dinosaurs died 63 million years ago. That's, <laughs> and that was the budget of the movie. That's real? I, I think so, but I wonder if they were just like, eh, let's pretend. You know what I mean? Like maybe it was 64.1 and they were like, 63 million? Was the budget for In the movie. In 93? Yeah. Jesus. I mean, come on. You seen, seen the movie? I mean, that must be that must have been the most expensive movie. Mm, 
I didn't look it up, but I don't think so. I don't know. 63 million sounds like a lot for the 90s. Yeah. Oh, it is a lot for sure. But again, like I said earlier, where because it's like everyone at the top of their game, like they knew what they were getting. Yeah. This, what, this wasn't like a bunch of like kids, like maybe we'll pull this off. Like yeah. it was like, okay, we're going to hire the most expensive director, the most expensive composer, the mm-hmm. most expensive special effects and all that. So yeah, it makes sense. And then the gross, I can't find a real number because this movie gets re-released every fucking five years. Yeah. But it's cleared over a billion without a doubt. Yeah. Like it's, uh, and that's not even including the marketing, like tickets alone. Uh, the initial run was almost a billion and then, you know, it got re-released in 2013, it got re-released 2018, yeah. it got re-released this week. I mean, just, yeah, they just made money off. Yeah, yeah. so like it's, uh, the, the, but you can't really figure out the gross of this movie. And then if you start adding in DVD sales and VHS sales and fucking t- toy tie-ins and all that. Yep. Still grossing. Yeah. Can you want to guess the tomatoes? Uh, I mean, right now? Crit- critics and audience. Oh, I feel like, I mean, 100% doesn't exist, right? I don't know. But I feel like. It does like exist, but it often doesn't last forever because all it takes is one review to knock you off. Yeah. So, like, like sometimes, like, I remember when Into the Spider Verse came out, the commercials were like, it's 100%. And then eventually it went down because one person was like, eh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I don't know why I feel like both critics and um, audience are in the 90s. Okay. Let's say. 92% critics and 95% audience. Pretty close. So they both have the same. And it's, oh. And it's 91. Damn. Yeah, but you were right. They're both the 90s. <laughs> so it's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. This is also pretty big for Spielberg because I wouldn't go as far as to say he was in a slump at this point, but like his movie right before this was Hook, which it was the Peter oh. Pan movie that didn't really hit. Yeah. And then he made a movie before called Always, which I never heard of, but I looked it up. It didn't make money either. Yeah. So like... He did have Indiana Jones 3 right before that. So, like, it's not like he was, like, in a slump, but, like, he hadn't had, like, a massive hit. Mm-hmm. Like, that, like he'd already built his reputation for a while. So this was, like, giant for him. And he did want to make this, but his heart was set on making Schindler's List as his next movie. Oh. And it was actually Universal who basically was like, listen, we'll fully fund and greenlight Schindler's List right now, but it's got to be after Jurassic Park. Like, they basically were like, Schindler's List ended up being a smash hit and making money, but you know, a quiet Holocaust movie might not be what you want from Steven Spielberg as the studio. Like, they're like, look, we let you make two quiet movies. You know, like, we need one of your movies to make us some money and then you can do whatever (laughs) the fuck you want. So (laughs) it's not that he was, like, forced to making this. He wanted to make this too, but they were like, you got to do it first. Yeah. The casting was also pretty interesting too because it's not that the three stars were no names, but they were not movie stars in the sense where, like, they could sell tickets. But he did that on purpose where, again, like, he knew the dinosaurs were the star. Uh-huh. And he, like, I know, obviously, no one's going to believe it's real, but he was like, you'll believe it less if it's, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You oh, know what I mean? Sure. Like, like it needs to be people, like, who we haven't seen a ton of and will blend those roles. Mm-hmm. And, like, even though Sam Neill's been in stuff, like, this is the first time I ever saw him, and to me, Sam Neill is... Jurassic Park guy. Yeah, like, he's, <laughs> he, like yeah, he's Dr. Grant. Like, you know what I mean? Like Honestly, I didn't even watch Jurassic Park, and he is Jurassic Park yeah, guy for me. Exactly, <laughs> so... Yeah. I mean, but, what else is he in? Um, he was, uh, I, I don't know, big, but he he's not American, so he was in some foreign stuff. Oh, he's not while. American? No. Whoa. Yeah, is he, he British? Yeah. That's crazy. So he was in some other stuff. The that, Brits yeah. have been fooling us since the 90s? I just watched a cult horror movie he was in. I can't fucking remember um, what it was called, but it's weird and culty and from the 80s. Okay. You were around when I was watching it, mm. but I can't remember. All right. Possession? Maybe. Eh, Maybe. That possession. sounds like a movie. It's, yeah. It's called <laughs> Possession. You got Dern of Laura. Yeah. And and Goldblum was decently famous too, but he wasn't, he, he started in like The Fly. Like he had some starring roles, but his also, his character is much more of like a sideline character than the other two. Right. I think. 
And then Richard Attenborough was the most famous, but he did that on purpose because he wanted, he played uh, Hammond, the, mm-hmm. the, you know, and he wanted that character to be like a bit of a, like a showman. Like he wanted him to be a little bit more recognizable, you know what right. I mean? He claimed, I, I read online, I don't know, I never I didn't see this from Steven Spielberg directly, but they said that he was trying to go for like a, like a dark Walt Disney type with Hammond. Oh. Um, but then people said he was way more like uh, like P.T. Barnum, like the circus guy, you know, like, oh. like so obsessed with the spectacle. Yeah. And like, but like that he neglected things and stuff. Oh, I see that. Yeah. That makes more sense to me. And that's one of the biggest, uh, as faithful as it is to the book, apparently in the book, Hammond's like much more of just like a greedy monster, like just obsessed with making money. And but like, still loves his grandkids? No, like he could give a fuck that they're lost in the book. Like, oh. You know, like he's just like, like he doesn't hate them, but he's just like, it's not as concern you know <laughs> so it's like they wanted to change that which i think is a good idea because i, I kind of hate when someone's just like evil and you're like very few people are that evil like, yeah like you know yes that he wants to make money yes he wants to be remembered blah blah and he has bad traits and could be selfish but like i think making him a more like realistic person i think was a better call mm-hmm. and then do we i mean we're talking about cast sam jackson was in that movie before this right What's that movie? Um, Quentin Tarantino's movie? No, that was after this. Oh, okay. Yeah, Sam Jackson, he was like a, a character actor. Like at this point, he'd probably been in like five Spike Lee movies. So like it's not like including Do the Right Thing, as you know, which is probably his biggest role from there. Okay. So he was an unknown, but he definitely wasn't. He didn't become Sam Jackson until Pulp Fiction. Like that's when gotcha. he was. I feel like his like, voice changed. Like, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's been talking like Jules now for his entire career. <laughs> And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. And we can't forget B.D. Wong. B.D. Wong, baby. What was your joke? (laughs) (laughs) I said, if he's B.D. Wong, I don't want a B.D. right. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. He's barely in the movie, though. Apparently his character is way bigger in the in the uh, book, but because they cut down on the science for the um, movie, like he just kind of got cut down as well. I see. Um, but they kept him around. Eventually, he comes back in like the seventh movie or something. Yeah. Yeah, but who gives a shit at that point? Well, <laughs> it's because uh, anyway, I was gonna say because I love him from Law and Order. Oh yeah, I know I like B.D. Wong, but I'm saying like by the time he comes back, the movies are so fucking oh, bad. Yeah. Like who gives a shit? Yeah. Like you know. Like in the last movie, in the seventh, whatever, I don't know how many there are. In Jurassic World 3, whatever that's called, fucking Dodson comes back, the guy that that, that Newman meets up with that gives him the barbersaw. Oh. Pen. You know, and he goes, Dodson, we got Dodson here. See, nobody cares. Like that guy comes back in the sixth movie. I wouldn't have even remembered who he was. Me neither. I saw the whole movie. It wasn't until after. I saw the whole movie. Dotson, he's one scene. Wow. And, you know, and he's a different actor too, so it's not the same. It's like a completely different actor. Okay. So I'm just like watching it, and then I'm like reading the fucking IMDb trivia afterwards, and it was like, yeah, Dotson is back from the first movie because because remember he worked <laughs> for like the rival company. Yeah. So like that company is like part of the storyline in the future movies. Right. Crazy. But yeah, I'll give a shit. Just because we, we, you know, you and I work in production and we know like how long shit takes, the pre-production of this movie was 25 months. <gasps> so it's two years and one month before they started shooting. That's why I'm saying like they bought the rights in 90. This movie came out in 93. Like, wow. Because like building the animatronics alone was insane. And then the pre-visualization, the, you know, all that shit. Like That's crazy. And it's like, it's pretty nuts. Like Steven, 
storyboarded the scenes while reading the book. He said he'd never done that before. Like, huh. like before the script was even done, he was, anytime in the boy was reading the book, he's like, that'll be a cool scene. And he would draw it out. And then the animators would like animate it crudely. And so like, they already had like animatics of like the T-Rex scene and the, that all is this so stuff. Cool. Like, like, it's just crazy to watch just like the, everyone was so excited about this movie. Like it was nuts. Like I gotta mention it was hard work. It's all hell, but like, so. I don't even know how you could do juggle multiple projects like at his level, you know, like yeah. if he's oh, that's crazy. That's the other thing. Yeah, I guess I'll just get into it now. Where like so they shut they f- filmed the movie, wrapped it. Then Spielberg and the editor basically had to edit the entire movie without the visual effects because the way it worked, like they had to send it to the visual effects company who then worked on it themselves. Mm. It wasn't like they couldn't do it scene by scene. Mm-hmm. So like the full two hour and change movie had to be cut. And he even said too, he's like, Obviously, I knew it wasn't going to work as a movie, but I wanted it to be beautiful before anything, like before the effects. And so they, they fully cut the movie. Then he immediately went to Poland to work on Schindler's List. Hmm. And then for the next year, he had to like on weekends fly to Italy and then oversee the effects editing. And he's even said where he said it was the worst time in his life, like professionally. Wow. He's like, I would never do that again. He was like, not only was I never, never not working, he's like the mental fortitude it took to having being in the mindset of a holocaust piece which yeah. is so important to him like his fucking family was in the holocaust and then have to be like do these dinosaurs look cool for kids you know right. like, like it was just too much like he was just like i would he's like it was the worst decision ever made and i would never do something like that again that's crazy um but yeah you have all the movies to juggle yeah and so like he'd be like depressed at night thinking of like the holocaust and then <laughs> have to be in and being like is that cool for you, you know <laughs> is that raptor look cool yeah. you know wow and, um, oh, when I was telling you earlier how, like, they switched from the go motion to the CGI, mm-hmm. um, apparently, like, the the guy, um, Phil Tippett, who was in charge of the stop motion stuff, like, when he saw it, he, he gave Steven the line, like he said in real life, where he looked at the CGI and he went, well, I'm extinct. Oh. And then he ended up giving that line to Grant in the movie, you know, when he yeah. sees all the dinosaurs and he's like, oh, it looks like we're extinct. Wow. Um, but it's, it was a pretty crazy story. It was really nice where, like, originally, like, you know, Phil got hired to do all the stop motion. Then Steven has to tell him, like, listen, we're not doing it. Like, it's just, like, we're going CGI. Like, it's done. But then the CGI team, when it came to making the dinosaurs feel and look realistic, they that was really hard for them. And because Phil Tippett had been doing it for 40 years, he knew so much about animals and movement and how movement should work on film. They ended up hiring him as, like, a new title called, like, Dinosaur Consultant. And so he ended up overseeing, like, all the CGI. Even though he didn't understand the technology, he understood, like, how to make it feel real. That's and, awesome. And uh, so, like, yeah, he was just like, oh, you could just, like, you know, we have to evolve, you know? like this and that. Oh, I love that. He yeah. evolved. Um, so that was, that was actually really cool where I thought he was, like, just going to get fired. And yeah. <laughs> and that, I feel like that's a, always a nod to how you know you have such a human story is when, like, it's sort of relevant to, like, you making the movie, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's just some similar to Singing in the Rain where, like, they're actually dealing... You, with the Hollywood-esque part s- it behind the scenes while, so while they're making the movie. It. Yeah, exactly. So cool. And just to give them more credit to like how much everyone believed in this project, like the person in charge of all the animators in the CGI department m- had them all take mime classes because he wanted them all to uh, just have a better understanding of how bodies move and how movement works and how mm-hmm. things look when they move. And then they all took mime classes and then they would all, then they would film all the animators acting as the dinosaurs and they would just run around for like maybe not hours but run around and film it and then they would watch it and then they would use that to help them 
animate more mm-hmm. realistically. And they would see how things fell. They'd be like, oh, you wouldn't bounce like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, that's crazy. That's fucking crazy. Like, they'd be like, you, all you animators are going to go take fucking movement mime classes. Yeah. I, I, I th- sorry if I'm getting too much in the weeds of like how they worked on this, but it all just blew my mind. <laughs> that like for most of the dinosaurs, they would they had real life animals to kind of look at to to figure out their movement, like something similar. You know what I mean? A so bunch like of birds. Yeah, like those Galifianakis <laughs> or whatever, like, the Zach Galifianakis that were across <laughs> the, the field. Like those kind of looked like ostriches. So they mm-hmm. they went and filmed ostriches and then and used that. But they were saying when it came for the T Rex, that was the hardest thing because there's no there's no two legged animal that's that tall that can run forty miles an hour. Like right. it just doesn't exist. So like they were like figuring those movements out was so hard because we couldn't just like film something else and copy right. it. Right. Yeah, so you crazy. can't like grab a kangaroo. You don't think about the <laughs> shit when you're watching it. You're just like, oh cool, they made, animated a dinosaur. It's like yeah, you don't fucking understand how hard that was mm-hmm. and the fact that it looks good, like it looks real, like and you would you could argue like. They did it in the dark and the rain to hide the imperfections, but that fucking dinosaur is in pure sunlight, like mm-hmm. pure unfiltered, harsh sunlight, which is not ideal for filming. You don't want harsh sunlight, and that's what and like, it's just it's fucking nuts that like it looks so good. Yeah, and the sound. Did you do you have like what combinations they? used to like create the i didn't write them all down because it's crazy but you can easily look them up but every like the t-rex is like six animals like it's just like it's like a hippo and a lion and like you the the foley artist literally would just walked around with his boom mic just getting everything and then like you could literally see the dvd where the guy the editor would then get all the sounds from the sound mixer and then he keyed each sound onto his electric keyboard and uh-huh. he would just play the noises so he'd be like, together yeah and just like try them all out and pitch them up and down wow and for me i think what's so cool about the sound in this movie is that it's kind of truly the most creative part because they worked with paleontologists and really wanted to make this as realistic as we on as dinosaur knowledge was at the time and because of that they had to follow a lot of like we believe they looked like this. They moved like this. They didn't do this. They didn't do this. So they always had to work. There is no fucking way we'll ever know what dinosaurs sounded like. Mm-hmm. There's never ever going to be anyone who tells you they know is lying. Like there's just no way. So they got to get just full creative. Like that That was – so to me that's just kind of cool where like that's the one aspect of the movie where they're like let your imagination run. Like what yeah. do you think it sounds like? You know yeah. what I mean? And it's crazy because now I'm like that's what dinosaurs sound yeah, like. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all are. Yeah, that raptor call like when they go like, – like to call their friends like yeah. i was just like yeah that's that's it jesus but um and yeah. again parallel to real life like they brought in the scientists yeah. to, to advise them. all that talk in the movie about dinosaurs being birds like that was not common knowledge back then like mm-hmm. that like it wasn't until even like five years later that like it's the scientific community actually started talking about it he was just hiring like scientists who were ahead of the ball and they were like no you're gonna want to put it in that they're actually birds and not reptiles Damn. and like you can see the the original animatics for the raptors they had their tongues stick out like the way snakes do you know like 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 uh-huh. real fast and then like the dinosaur guys were like no absolutely not that's not they're, they're not they're not even close to reptiles like they're birds like they wow. wouldn't do that and then they redid it so they didn't have tongues very cool yeah so I love that. I love the attention to detail, but then the sound I love too because it's just fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's just fun shit, man. Audio Andy likes the sound. Yep. Interesting. All right. We got tons more to talk about, but let's actually get into the movie itself. Let's, let's dive right in. Roar! You got to hold on to your butt, Masha. <laughs> All right. So, Masha, we're sitting there. I've seen this. You haven't seen it. We're sitting there in the theater. 
Starts out. We got ourselves a little little spooky action scene. We do? Yeah, oh, yeah, they're, we they're, do. They're we transporting do. a raptor. Oh, yeah. The, what a crazy intro. Yeah, no, it's super, it's super cool. And they also do the smart move of keeping the dinosaurs hidden for a while. Oh, for sure. I kind of consider this a very confident movie because on paper, it's slow. But it's not actually slow. Mm-hmm. I just feel like with a lot of movies, this kind of... Um, Especially if you're making like an action-y type movie, it's like it's like a rule of thumb is like every like eight to ten pages, like something exciting should be happening. And this movie, like, yeah, we open on that this sequence. It's not even that like action-y, really. It's just like it's like it's just to kind of set the tone that there's danger here. Yeah. And then like, I would say it's like 35, 40 minutes before we even see a real dinosaur, and then it's like an hour before <laughs> shit starts going wrong. And I feel like a less co- like. They were so confident that, like, you're going to want to see these fucking things and you're going to want to see our third act that we don't give a shit that we're just going to, like, slowly walk our way up that hill. Yeah. Instead of being less confident to be on, like, should we make a raptor, like, kill someone 10, 15 minutes in just to, like, get people excited? Yeah. So I respect the fuck out of it for how confident it is. Um, I got to say, because we watched a trailer before we started recording, yeah. I... The trailer was not honest. Like, if I were a parent and saw the trailer, I'd be like, this is fine. And then that intro scene is so scary with, like, the guy getting eaten by it. Yeah. I don't know. I know. But it's like, (laughs) I don't know. I was freaking out. I was like, Jesus Christ. I know. But I kind of think, like, the edginess of it is part of the reason. Like, it's part of the reason I thought it was so cool. If if I felt like I was watching a kid's movie about dinosaurs, I wouldn't have loved it. I I I felt like I was watching something adult. I agree with everything you just said. I'm just saying that it was a lot more than I was expecting. No, I I, I guess so. But (laughs) I appreciated that that trailer because while you got some dinosaurs in it, they never got you, like, full shots. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was really smart to, like, the mysteries. I also had no idea that the movie took place not in America. Oh, wait. You thought there was dinosaurs in America? No, I mean... I mean, like, where would they have built it? I don't... I thought <laughs> I thought they were, like, in the Midwest or something. I don't... I, don't, I had no... I, I never questioned where they were. And uh, then I was like, Costa Rica? That's mad funny. Makes sense now. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that Velociraptor attack kind of kicks into gear the plot of the movie where it's like we meet uh, Hammond, who's kind of like the creator of all of Jurassic Park and he's got all these investors in line and he's got to get some dinosaur professionals to come look at the park and kind of sign off on it to get his investors going. Yeah. And super smart move because, you know, like you might think that like this is about like a working theme park, but like they're not even close to opening this thing to the public. Mm-hmm. And it like it makes it a more like intimate movie. You know what I mean? Like like they finally do the whole the park's open in Jurassic World and it has some fun sequences when the shit hits the fan, but like I don't know, overall it loses. Like I'm not worried about those guys because so many people are dying. Like this, it's like look at my, my crew, you know? Like yeah. you, lo- you lose a guy and you're like, no. I knew you knew most of the cast like coming into it, but did you know Newman was in this? Like, I had n- yeah, no I mean, idea. This is like his biggest film role. Really? It's gotta be, right? Like, I mean, I basically know him as Newman. I don't remember his name, but on Third Rock from the Sun, he played a regular character. He was like the neighbor cop. Uh-huh. And then this, like, I don't really... Yeah, I guess so. I can't think of like movies he was in, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, but oh, it was, was in, pretty he, cool oh, he was in, Yeah, but like, here's an example. Seven years later, he was in Rat Race. Like, it's like, it's not the I same was gonna, caliber. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's not a Steven Spielberg... Exactly. Him, him being in this is kind of like uh, like Tom Arnold being in True Lies. Like it's just like, <laughs> I, like I can't believe you got in there, man. Good for you. I, <laughs> like, I didn't, okay, you're not a you're not a movie star, but good for you. I had no idea that the meme that's been going around was from this movie, like the nobody cares meme. Oh, when he goes like, when Dotson has like a disguise and he's like Dotson, we got Dotson here. See, nobody cares. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
Dodson! Dodson! We've got Dodson here! See, nobody cares. I've seen plenty of iterations of that. Um, also, is this an early uh, version of uh, product integration with this Barbasol? Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that was early. I think we were definitely doing it beforehand. But yeah, that was some Barbasol. I mean, pretty cool. I mean, I was part. so young. That was the first time I saw shaving cream. Like, it was crazy. <laughs> like, I was just seeing things for the first time. And like I remember do thinking it was very funny that he puts the shaving cream on that guy's dessert. Oh, like yeah. It, like it looks like whipped cream. I know. Yeah, as a kid, I thought that was quite... Oh. I will say too, as a kid watching this movie, I had no idea what it was about. I mm. couldn't follow X. I was fucking five. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't follow. Like, all this shit was just boring. Like, I just, like, I kind of, like, laughed because of the whipped cream, but, like, I didn't understand the plot of, like, like, I didn't understand how the park broke down as a kid. I just mm-hmm. knew it broke down. Like, I didn't really get that, like, it was a money dispute and all the, you know, yeah. all this stuff. And it's so funny, too, because for some reason, I didn't realize that Newman's character was doing some like I didn't realize the guy he was conspiring with worked with an opposite company like I didn't catch that oh, in the yeah, dialogue Oh yeah it's in the dialogue but it's quick yeah, yeah Yeah so I thought that that's just like the owner of this park was illegally sourcing yeah. these embryos It is funny shit I didn't even think about it cuz I've seen this so much that I know all the characters names and stuff so like when he said cuz he says in the dialogue of something like like, uh, don't get cheap on me now. Like, when he wants Dodson to pay the bill, he goes, don't cheap on me now, Dodson. Don't make the same mistake that Hammond made. Like, my head oh. immediately, I was like, oh, so Hammond runs Jurassic Park. That's what it is. Like, I, I like you know. he Interesting. Because, again, like, I, again, I haven't watched this in a really long time. So, this was like, this, this first part was a little bit, like, not new to me. But I was like, let me watch it as a fucking adult who can understand, like, simple things. I'm right. like, oh, yeah, I got it now. Um, but because you don't know who Hammond was, yeah, that makes more yeah, sense. I was, yeah, I I didn't catch yeah. any of that. All, apparently, all this stuff is way more in the book. Like Dodson's, it's like you learn way more about what's going on. And Hammond, like Hammond, does fuck him over, like on purpose in the book, like okay. to screw him out of money and all that. So like he's a little bit more sympathetic to like why he like turns on Hammond and all that. But uh, they didn't. He didn't really want that. And the, Spielberg was like, "Ah, no, we need to have a bad guy. Like a clear. We don't. There's no reason to have sympathetic for this character. Uh-huh. Like we already have sympathy, sympathy for Hammond. Like we can't. Ever, you know. And plus, th- then when he brutally dies, he didn't want people to feel bad for him. You wanted him to be like, "Yeah, you fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> that's what you get." Yeah. <laughs> so when we see these two um, paleontologists out in the wild yeah. doing these tours, that was pretty cool. What was your uh, your thought on seeing the uh, him talking to the kids scene oh, for the first time? That was freaking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, as, as a kid, I was scared because like I identified with the kids, so I was like scared. Like I remember legitimately being very scared in that moment. I was like, "You better follow the rules next time." <laughs> You could tell what kind of kid I was. <laughs> but I was watching it like, because I, I didn't know who had, who fucking, uh, you know, we, did, we just met this character. I'm like, will he kill this kid? Like, you know, yeah. like three. I didn't understand. Um, I also, this is so dumb, but was very confused because right before this scene, Hammond was, I, maybe it was Hammond's lawyer was talking about how, like, he's going to see his daughter who... Getting a divorce, yeah. Getting a divorce. So then they cut to these paleontologists, and I was like, they don't look like they're getting a divorce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I put it, you know, I figured it it's, out it's eventually. An, it's, it's, it's the reason why his grandkids are there. It's it's the only reason that line's in there. It's just so you have a, understand yeah. why his grandkids are with him, because right now they need to be watched while their parents are getting Totally divorced. makes sense now, yeah. but I was thrown off. Yeah, I didn't know any of As a kid, I might have not even known that they were, those kids were his grandkids. Like, I truly, like, <laughs> was just watching for the dinosaurs. That's like, so I, funny. I didn't get any of this yeah. stuff. I was like, they're talking about having kids when they're about to get a divorce? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> <mad> funny. <laughs> 
I'm so confused. But I love just the use of how, this movie's so good at like setting stuff up and then paying it off later. Like the even just this speech about the Raptors is brilliant because like he's building so much fear in us as an audience member so that when we finally see them like we were like oh, i remember he took that shit seriously yeah. like and yo it's crazy i mean i didn't clock this i read it online you don't see the raptors until an hour and 40 minutes into this two hour movie mm-hmm. but like they live as like a concept throughout the whole thing like leaning over like you know they're like you bred raptors like like anytime they get brought up it's very scary so yeah. then when they finally are out you're like that's the fucking that's what you're afraid and of. And honestly, too, I love that he's carrying around the nail. Yeah. Because when you hear the nail tapping on the floor, oh. Yeah. To give, t- I gotta give us more credit <laughs> to these people who made this movie. One of the things I think that sets this apart that Steven Spielberg purposely did was he wanted to add a lot of flourishes that the dinosaurs do that have nothing to do with like the plot of the scene because that's how animals act. So like, you know, like a dog might be doing something and then they hear a weird noise and they'll stop and look. And then they go back to what they were doing. And you yeah. know, and you're just like, like, you know, like it's cr- so like, like it, when there's the two raptors next to each other, one of them like nips at the other one for a second and it goes like, <sighs> like you know, like, like there was no reason. Like it didn't, they're not going to use that to beat the raptors later. Like normally you wouldn't put stuff like that in mm-hmm. unless it's servicing the plot. But he wanted to add tons of those flourishes and even like the nail tapping, like, yeah. you know, just there's so many little moments of the dinosaurs just being like, like you know, just like doing yeah. like something for no, or like scratching themselves. Like he mm-hmm. wanted to add that purposely in. And that's pretty cool too. Sorry to skip it. I'm, no. I'm not skipping really, let's but let's just, right. we, yeah, let's, let's talk. We're but talking. because of that, like, because he added those additional animal behaviors, I wasn't sure if the tapping on the floor was just the animal doing that. Or if he was like tapping the, like sense the floor. Like I was yeah. like, is there some cool like feature that they have? Exactly. Yeah. They're freaking, okay you get what i mean (laughs) i will say so you know obviously we know what happens hammond comes over he's like please give the thumbs up approval to my jurassic park and brings the paleontologist in his one of the investors bring in bloom who's also a doctor i guess Bloom. what's his name Jason Blum. No, it's not Jason Blum. <laughs> Jeff yeah, Goldblum. You asked me a question when Jason Blum's going to show up in this movie. I was like, the producer from Blumhouse? And you were like, ah, what's his name? Blum Jeff Bloom. Goldblum. You get it. Yeah. His character is like weird. He's like a chaostician. So he's like, he's a doctor, but like he has nothing to do with dinosaurs. It was more, it's it's weird. I don't even know if a chaostician is a Is it like thing. a psych- psychological doctor? Like... <laughs> Uh, no, it's like, uh, like a theoretical doctor. Okay. He he rambles on about chaos theory a bunch in the movie. I Um, see. (laughs) He's like, you brought a freaking rock star. Yeah. (laughs) But basically his whole thing is to be there to be like, listen, I know you think that you have this contained and that like you're controlling nature, but chaos theory indicates that you can't plan for everything and something will go wrong. Yeah. Like, which is the movie, you know? Yeah. The movie and also all of production. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's little there's little t- uh, touches of like foreshadowing and like little stuff that there's no way you can catch it on the first time, but when later when you find out, it's brilliant. Uh-huh. Jeff Goldblum, me and Malcolm, his whole thing is life finds a way. We find out that they very carefully engineered all the dinosaurs to be females, so that way that they uh, they'll never reproduce. Yes, and then we find out they do reproduce. The little this is so fucking gags. Remember when they're in the helicopter when they're first coming into the island and they're and Hammond's like oh we're going down like make sure you hold on and then Grant goes to plug it uh use his seatbelt but he can't yeah there are two ends he has two (gasps) female ends he doesn't have two male ends but instead of going without a a thing he figures out if he ties it in a knot it still works oh that's that was their small way of being like life finds a way like that's 
that's the same way the dinosaurs will be all female, but they'll figure it the fuck out and they will reproduce because they want to survive. I cannot believe like, this. Like, nature will take over your shitty technology. Like, you can give me two ends that don't work. I'm going to make it work because I want to live. You Damn. Know? Like, it's fucking... Like, I, I never caught that myself. I'm not going to act like I caught it, but whenever I did it the first time, I was like, you motherfuckers. Like, that's crazy. That's so cool. And the first time, you just think it's like a funny little cute scene. You're like, oh, look, he doesn't have the thing. Uh-huh. That's funny. You know? Yeah. I feel like Steven Spielberg had been in the studio machine for quite some time. Yeah. By the time he makes this, because the freaking merchandising within the movie is scream studio. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. But it's brilliant too because on a, from a meta level, that's the same advert. That's the same merchandise they were already making to sell in real life. Yeah. So now it's movie props. You're like double down. <laughs> you know, you're like you're, you're using them as props and then you're selling them right after. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And I also like whoever did the logo, whoever designed the logo for Jurassic so Park. Good. They should be winning awards too. Yeah. I hope they did. And even like the colors, like the red with the yellow and the black, like the yeah. Jurassic World one just does not look good. It's like all silver. You know what I mean? It's the mm-hmm. same picture, but it's just all gray and silver. It's and it's no just, character. Yeah, and it's just like... No, like this... And it looks like an amusement park. Yeah. It's, the design is am- amazing. You see it? Like, it looks kind of... It's like the Batman logo. It's like a soul, like yeah. it pops, like kids like it, you know? Yeah. Like, to me, um, like, I love the merchandising within, within it. It was freaking brilliant. Obviously, you're going to want to buy a t-shirt or buy whatever. And um, I loved the investor represent, um, representative who comes to the park with them, too. To me, he was like the studios, the you know? The talking about. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's like, wait, we're going to make a ton of money. We're going to make a fortune. Yeah. He was hilarious to me. I loved it. You're talking about the guy that left us. He left us. He left us. He loves us. He loves us. <laughs> oh, man. So Don't even lines. get me started on the kids. What are your thoughts on the kids? Oh. Get started on the kids. Yeah, we'll talk about the kids. But when when they do arrive off the plane to Jurassic Park for the first time and kind of do their initial tour, I thought that was so cool. When he says, welcome to Jurassic Park, it had the same energy to me as, welcome to Hogwarts like yeah. it was just like that very same like very huge oh I mean it's an all-time famous line like, it's why I opened the podcast with it like, it's yeah like, Welcome to <laughs> it's so great yeah but no let's talk about the kids um <laughs> my note is dumb kids <laughs> uh, you think I think the well, kids are pretty no they're they're, they're they're done well I think no they're done very well but I just got so frustrated throughout the movie mostly with the sister yeah. But this was more so like they were very realistic kids. I have no problem with like how they were written and they I thought they were really great. Yeah. I'm just saying like watching it from as a As an viewer, adult you were like these fucking kids. Yeah. Are, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I get it. Yeah, all right, cool, cool. I'm like, shut the hell up. Because that's true, but that's what's supposed to, that's they're added there on purpose because it's not as exciting when it's only adults. You of now course. have this other factor of these kids who don't know as well and they think, Oh, the smart thing to do is turn on the flashlight and shit. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the uh, changes from the book that everyone said they liked the most was they changed the kids a bit where in the book they were switched to where it was an older brother and a little girl. Oh. And the older brother did everything and the little girl was just useless. And they switched it where they made a girl older and then... And they, useless. Well, no. <laughs> I'm they just gave kidding. Her, I'm just kidding. They gave her the, ha- like the hacking. Like the son was the hacker also. And then... Like in the other one, the, the boy loved dinosaurs and was a hacker and was older. And uh-huh. so like it was just he did everything and so that they switched it up a bit. And what gave does her... this writer feel towards? Yeah. <laughs> and then gave uh, gave the girl a, the 
that, but then still, even though the boy was younger, he knew about the dinosaurs, like he wasn't used to see this. So I thought it was like a, a real smart way to split that up. I like that. And then and everything added in the movie about Grant hating kids and learning to like them that wasn't in the book either. He oh, really? Kids in the book, yeah. But that's why I think Spielberg was the right guy to make this because I think it was a smart move to cut out a lot of the science jargon and just focus on a s- incredibly simple like human story human story because it's not complicated not that this movie has bad reviews but anybody who didn't give it like a 10 out of 10 they're most of the detractors are talking about like the human characters that like they're not very deep and like mm-hmm. they seem to be sidelined for the spectacle which is true but it was I think it was done on purpose I don't think I don't think like that was they fucked up and they weren't thinking about the humans enough. I think Steven knew, like, if you bog it down with too much of them, people are just going to be like, let's get to these fucking dinosaurs. Yeah. But he left just enough in there that it's, like, it's so relatable. Like, so, even if you don't have kids, like, you can still relate to the idea of, like, thinking you hate them and then you get some responsibility in your life and you realize, oh, it's actually what I wanted. Like, I don't know. I think it's very, like, I think it's a very effective story for keeping it small on purpose. Yeah. And it's so funny, too, because I feel like a lot of movies today struggle with exactly what you said. Like, when they focus on one part of the storyline that has nothing to do with the action, it's like, come on. Yeah, and like, yeah. But I, it, it was really growing simultaneously, like, the the intensity with the, the dinosaurs as well as, like, his passion for the kids and, like, wanting to protect them. Yeah, and it felt believable, too, mm-hmm. where, like, you know, like, it started off where he's like, I'm not gonna let them die, but then he, like, actually is, like, you know. Yeah. And, like, and, yeah. <laughs> So. <laughs> yeah, he was a little slow to, to rescue them in the the <laughs> first time. <laughs> he was just watching. I loved how him and Blum were... Blum? Go- Goldblum. Goldblum. <laughs> I'll call him JG. Um, him and JG were just Don't watching from JG. the... Why not? <laughs> <laughs> they were just watching from the other car, and they're like, ah, they better turn that flashlight off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to act fast when you see... You know what I mean? You're just learning this thing exists. Yeah. Uh, you're... Oh, that was another thing I really loved because you got John Williams making the amazing music and sound beds for these, but they freaking know how to portion it out because there's such a significant amount of silence in this movie, which I wasn't expecting. It was yeah, it was so brilliant to have it be dead silent right before the first T Rex roar because that thing was brutal. Like the first time when I was, I'll I'll play it right here. Had been right all the time. It's like that <laughs> thing is crazy. Yeah, I that is one reason why you should be in the theaters for this because we wouldn't have played it that loud at home. Like I felt like I was in the park with them be sitting in the theater and hearing that roar mostly because the volume was too high but you know I, what i mean i don't know if you ever notice it in movie credits or like at movie theaters they'll always they'll it'll say like this is done in dts like digital something sound uh-huh. like it's, it's it's the digital the freaking dolby sound, sound. I, it's, I don't think it's dolby I, I don't remember anyway basically this is one of the first movies to go fully digital on the sound uh-huh. and spielberg ha- had to invest in that technology and then, like, they invented it simultaneously with the movie. And then he had to tell theaters, if you want to play this movie, you got oh. you got to put this in your thing. Damn. For it to sound right. And, like, like I said, just, like, there was no one didn't know what they had on their hands. Like, That's crazy. Like, Universal, this movie cost $63 million budget. The marketing budget after they finished it was $63 million. Like, they doubled. They just matched it. They were yeah. like, we have to get, like, people need to know about this. Like, you know. And it worked. Like, you know, I remember the toys that 
Burger King. Like, it was everywhere. Like, that's but, insane to get the theaters to, yeah. to install this. And that's how much fucking clout he had where he's like, dude, you want the next Spielberg masterpiece? Get the fuck up. Damn. I wonder if like our local Alpine was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the confidence of the movie, like before any of the scary stuff happens, like I think like the awe and the magic like just works. Like that Brontosaurus scene... The mm. smart move of sticking the camera in the actors' faces for so long and watching them watch the dinosaurs before we get to see it. Yeah. Brilliant. You mm-hmm. need a great actor to pull that off, but, like, you see fucking uh, Laura Dern, like, literally just, like, lose her shit, and then you get to see it, and you're just like, motherfucker. Like, yeah. You know? And even though, of course, I've seen a thousand, like, that's not... Any Marvel movie has get monsters that big nowadays. So, like, it's not that seeing a CGI creature, but, like, it just all works with the music and the acting and the I framing. Agree. It's like, And even, it's so cool because you could also relate to the characters, like, when they're driving through and not seeing the dinosaurs, like, initially. Yeah. Because we've all experienced that, like, at the zoo where you want to see, like, the apes and they're not out. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. God damn it. Yeah. And then when they are out. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's like a Twilight Zone. Like, yeah, they're out. Yep. You, this is what you wanted. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's like, we got two no-shows and a sick and one sick one. <laughs> you know, like, he was furious. <laughs> oh, when Laura Dern's caring for the that that dinosaur, the Triceratops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I think, <laughs> as impressive as the action scenes are, I think that Triceratops is one of the most impressive things they built for that movie mm-hmm. because we spent so much time on such close-ups on it. That like there's so many opportunities for it to not look real and like like that simple scene of Sam laying on its stomach while it's breathing in and out and he's inflating and deflating and I'm like like that like it looked so, I was like this is an animal like he's laying on a real animal you yeah. know what I mean like it was just like it's it's probably not the most impressive in terms of just everything they pulled off but like it's and to just have that quiet moment like that was another thing that one of their main goals outside of making it feel real was like. A lot of times, dinosaurs were often used in movies as, like, monsters. Like, a monster movie we were running away, and he was like, I need to... Like, his main thing was, like, no, these are animals. Mm-hmm. They're not monsters. They're doing what... Like, you know, even, like... Like, the characters are never mad that they're getting hunted by a T-Rex. They're not like, this fucking thing, we have to kill it. Like, it's not even... They don't even talk about killing these things. Like, they're yeah. like, no, no, we fucked with it, and now it's doing what it does. Like, right. Like, you know, when when uh, the little girl, I can't remember her name, but when she was like, I hate... The, I hate... I, I don't mind these grassosauruses but i hate those other ones and he's just like they just do what they do like it's not like like it's i love that there isn't this whole like we need to conquer them mentality Mm. and i like the fact that no one's there's guns in the movie no one ever shoots a dinosaur like no dinosaur ever gets killed like you know like it's very it was written in a way to be very much like this is a movie about man fucking with nature and it's not about like these monsters are attacking us. Like, no, no, we attacked them. Yeah. Like we made them. They didn't ask to be made and now they're doing what their instincts tell them to do. Like they're not built for this world. Like they weren't meant to be here. Like, for sure. You know, like they had their, like they talk about it. Like they had their chance. Like we didn't, we didn't build a dam and kill the monsters. They, I mean, the dinosaurs, they died before we came. Like, Absolutely. Like, nature killed them, you know. I love that line that Laura Dern and Sam say. You can insert it here. God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. Dinosaurs eat man. Woman inherits the earth. But yeah, I was freaking... I was in the movie when they get attacked in those cars. Oh, I One of it. <laughs> brilliant from beginning to end, like... 
Dude, they're in these cars that can't move. So, like, they can't drive away. It's freaking raining. It's raining. It's, I guess it is safer than not being in the car, but you're also trapped. So, like, it's not that safe. Like, it's, I mean, watching your reaction when the lawyer gets eaten on the toilet, oh. you freak that Well, out. that's also the first kill. Yeah. Well, yeah, second if you count the opening scene. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Rest in peace, guy. Yeah. I hope your family Shoot got paid. Shooter! <laughs> Shooter! <laughs> I love that. Um, but yeah, on the freaking toilet seat, that yeah. was crazy. That fucking lawyer, that piece of shit. <laughs> it's because he, he left the kids. He left the kids. He left us. He left us. He left us. Yeah, that was messed up. No, Spielberg's big on like kids and family and stuff. Oh yeah. Yo, just sorry. I, I always I, I find the reason to rail on this with modern Marvel movies so much more. Really, just not just them, but most blockbusters is like it's it's not that hard. Like Sam Neill is having a very adult problem in this movie like he it's it's his relationship to children and whether or not he thinks he can raise them Mm -hmm. and nowadays i feel like so many of these movies are written more for kids where it's always about an adult who's mad at their mom or dad for something Mm. and it's always like you did something to me and now i can't do it and like i just miss adult movies (laughs) like like adults have different sets of problems like they write like everyone in Marvel's 35 years old, but they all have 15-year-old problems. And I think it's because the target audience is 15, so, like, you'd rather see Chris Pratt being like, my daddy, <laughs> as opposed to, you know, like... That's And funny. then I just miss shit, like, like I just rewatched The Fugitive. Like, I just miss, like, yeah, like, you can have a different set of problems when you're older, and people can relate. I related to this movie so much at three years old, and it had nothing... Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't... It wasn't Sam Neill being like, I became a paleontologist because my dad didn't believe in me. And it's like, yeah, I get that's part of your life. But like every fucking story nowadays, the adults are written like children. I mean, James Cameron said it about Marvel and then all the nerds got mad at him. But then like, it's kind of true where he was just like, he was like, yeah, he's like, all these adults are written like teenagers. Like, and then it's true. And then I saw Avatar Way of the Water and it's about a guy who's trying to keep his family safe. Like it's, it's not about a guy who has an existential crisis because his mom was mean to him. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, like it's like, it's like i need to put everything aside and like which is not a complicated story but it's an adult story right you know what i mean like so very cool yeah um i also thought the use of these kids like in the action like i would i was like these kids might die like i i i kind of knew in the back of my head that they wouldn't but still like they pushed the limits so much that i was like is this kid gonna get smushed in the car right now (laughs) that's insane i agree with you it it does a great job of making you think it but just knowing like spielberg movies like he doesn't kill the kids like he but they get pretty close multiple times he'll terrorize the kids but he's he's not gonna kill them (laughs) it's mad funny too because when everyone was bidding for this movie the only other person that got close was james cameron because he really wanted to make it also. Oh. Um, he, he literally later said in an interview, he's like, after I saw it, he's like, I knew I, I would have made a worse movie. He's like, I wouldn't have been able to do like wow. do that and have that heart. He's like, he's like, first of all, mine would have been a hard R and I would not have been nice to the kids. <laughs> like, I would have made a scary movie. Like, Whoa. you know? <laughs> so, like, like, he was just like, right off the bat, I wouldn't have understood that this can relate to the whole country. You know, I would have made a niche movie for a, a certain A hard group. R. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, he's like, I would have made it brutal. And he's like, and it wouldn't have worked. You know, <laughs> like, he's like, he's like, admitted it. Damn. Yeah, the smushing of the car was crazy. And he said he would have casted Arnold, which also would have been a nightmare. Oh, come on. Leave Arnold alone. <laughs> he loves Arnold. <laughs> Leave Arnold alone. He gave him the best movies of his career. (laughs) We get it. You have a crush on Arnold. That's so funny. I'm trying to remember. Sorry, my... 
So I can tell when I'm like fully immersed in the movie by my notes. Yeah. Because my my one note is dumb kids, and then I jump to Sam Jackson. So between this scene with the kids in the flashlight to when they send Sam Jackson to reset the lights. <laughs> you were just watching. I was just watching yeah. the movie and took no notes. I mean, we were in the theaters. It's mad hard to take notes in the theaters. Yeah, like, you, you also thought I was texting. I thought you were hilarious. texting and I got pretty upset. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've been waiting eight years to show you this movie. And you texted? Well, you were taking notes. I was taking notes. Yeah, so I was... <laughs> I don't like... I get, I get pretty furious when anyone texts when we're watching TV, but it, that was like, we were in the theater. We paid fucking $20 a ticket. Like, it was like... I was like, we're watching this fucking movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess when I'm already forgetting his name, the oh, guy yeah. from Seinfeld. Uh, just call him Newman. His name is Nedry, but I just call Oof. him Newman. Why Nedry? They called him Dennis Nedry. Is it? Oof. Yeah. All right. When Newman goes out on his own and, and starts is, like, unlocking security doors and stuff. Exactly. When he engages with the dinosaurs that scene was very funny but also like you could just tell like it's so funny the suspense building you're like he's gonna get it and and i really love how they're educating us about these dinosaurs and then we are and then you like get to see yeah. whatever they educated you on in practice. That, that's what I mean, like the build up and the payoff. Like, yeah. Because yeah, like, like we, we hear about the T-Rex, the raptors, and the dinosaurs all before we ever see them. Yeah. And then when we see them, like we know that they can spit the, the venom. But like, so like you don't even know that's what it is until the black shit hits them and you're like, oh, snap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was right, crazy. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest too. As someone who loves this movie, I kind of still can't really follow what's happening with that Newman stuff. What I think happens is like he had a ride off the island because mm-hmm. he talks to that one guy and he's like, you're leaving already? You're supposed to give me 18 minutes. I, I, it takes me 20, but I, I, need, I need at least 15. Yeah. And then that guy says no. So I think maybe his ride left without him, which then, because I don't think his plan was to like unlock a bunch of gates and fuck up the park. Like, mm-hmm. like that, that, that doesn't make any sense. Like he's trying to go make money and you know, like he's not trying to kill people. Yeah. So I think he had to like think on the fly to then like get, get off the island a different way. You know what I mean? I and, and then that's why he was kind of like, he made up that lie and started unlocking like certain gates and shit like that. And then maybe that mixed with the storm? Like, I don't really, I'll yeah. be honest, I don't, as someone who loves this movie, I didn't really understand exactly. And from what I've learned is like, that stuff is so much more like fleshed out in the book. Mm. So I think they were just streamlining it. They were like, look, he's the guy who fucking opens the gates. Like, yeah. like we're not too stressed about that. That makes sense. Okay, cool. Because I didn't really get that either, yeah. but whatever. You you put it together, you kind of get it. What I never really picked up until this time, like really, because like I said, all this early, the early part of the movie, I didn't really get as a kid. But it is really cool where like, I always knew one of Hammond's fucking catchphrases is spared no expense. You know, he'd show them something and be like, look at this beautiful dining room we have, spared no expense. Look at these things. Like he says that five times in the movie, yeah. spared no expense. So when it comes to anything in the park that's like flashy and and like looks good and like will impress people, he spares no expense. But then when it comes to the most important part, which is like the computer system and yeah. the internal stuff, like we, it's in the early dialogue. He went with the lowest bidder. Like he went, he he literally cheaped out on the really important stuff and then paid for the showmany stuff because he wants to be a cool showman. Mm-hmm. Like you know the fact that he put himself in the intro video and like you know like he wants to be a star. You know like he's not right. doing this for the love of science. Like that that's whole Jeff Goldblum's whole thing about him where he's like you rich people like you 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 don't you shouldn't have the science because you didn't earn the science. Like you waited till other people did it and then you bought the knowledge. Like yeah. you know so like you're you stood on the backs of you know you never 
you always asked if you could, you never asked if you should, like that kind of thing. So yeah. like, I did like that. I always in my head, like he was just like a kind, nice old man. But like, I like that now as an adult, I saw it and I was like, oh no, he's kind of a fucking asshole. And like, and like an egomaniac a little mm. bit. Like, oh, absolutely. Like the fact that he didn't, uh, that he, that he's like cheaping out on the stuff that's keeping everyone safe and then spending the most money on like the car they're going to sit in because it looks cool. You know, like mm-hmm. it's crazy. Yeah, it totally is. <laughs> I was like, guy, you're going to be there at every intro video. That, that makes no <laughs> sense. That's what I watched. I'm not making this joke. I, I, it was either the pitch meeting around Australia. I watched those like comedy things about it. And then one of them was like, I think it was the pitch meeting where they're like, wait a minute. So he has to be at every tour group, but he also has to be present for the birth of every dinosaur oh. on, the, on the thing. He's like, so his whole day is just bat running back and forth, room to room, doing yeah. intros and perts. Like, <laughs> like he has no time to do his real work. And like... Oh, that was one thing um, because... You know that arm thing that they do with the dinosaurs now in every movie? Arm thing? Yeah, he's like common to the, the dinosaur. Oh, when he holds his hand <laughs> up and comes, yeah, Chris Pratt's magical powers. Yeah, so I was like waiting this whole movie for that. And no, I was like, oh, it's not in here. No. <laughs> I thought there was going to be a scene where Hammond does no. the hand thing. <laughs> if, if, if you want to talk about keeping them realistic animals, get out of a Jurassic <laughs> World franchise. Because those motherfuckers borderline talk. Oh, that's so... Like, they, they hang out with Chris Pratt. Like, it's like, yeah. it's so I, I totally thought I... Because I was like, oh, he's at the birth of every dinosaur. So at the end, <laughs> Hammond is going to save the dinosaur because the dinosaur is going to no. remember him from birth. I've talked about how dumb the hand thing is. Because in the first Jurassic World, it makes a little bit of sense. Chris Pratt raised one raptor from birth. Uh-huh. And trained him from birth and taught that raptor that thing. Yeah. So it makes sense when he does it to Blue, that Blue responds. But by the time, then the second movie, all of a sudden he could do it to any dinosaur. And then by the third movie, anyone can do it to any dinosaur. Like, oh like literally, I think Chris Pratt stands in between two T Rexes and puts his hands <laughs> up and they both stop fighting. That's dumb. <laughs> it's bad, guys. So they're not animals anymore. No. <laughs> I don't know what they're they domesticated are. dinosaurs. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> it's so fucking dumb. I I don't care for them. <laughs> I, I don't. I really don't. That is so funny. And I, I, when we get towards the end and we talk about all the sequels, I I I think no, I think I I know what my fundamental problem is with every sequel. So we'll talk about okay. that. Where it's not just like it's not just like eh, I think there's one key thing they're not doing that this yeah. movie did. I do think if I'm not a paleontologist, but I'd no? be like. <laughs> in case you guys are wondering yeah, in case you were worried because you needed that disclaimer <laughs> but i think you could get away with a park with just the veggie guys uh, kind of i don't know i don't know i feel like a zoo without a line would be pretty you know, boring. <laughs> a zoo without a lion. Yeah, like, you're, like you're, sure, you're gonna go look at the little things, but like the gorillas and the lions. I mean, they're like, huge. What? The veggie guys. I know, and they're great, but I just think if you're, I don't know. To me, this seems also like it would be impossible financially to ever pull this off. Like, oh, it, yeah. it seems like they have to be working with no money coming in for like 15, 20 years, right? Like to get this thing built. From, oh, for sure. Like to the point that we see in the movie, it had to have been going on since like yeah. fucking 70s. Oh my like, God. When the guy was like $2,000 a tick a day, I was like, Jesus Christ, yeah. who's going to be able to go exactly, to this park? Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't believe Hammond at all when he was like, it's not just for the rich, it's for everyone. And mm. the guy's like, sure, we'll do a coupon Tuesday. And he's like, yeah. I was like, you guys... <laughs> You guys are you guys. you're not catering to anyone but the rich. <laughs> oh wait, I want to talk a little bit. Uh, go back to the T Rex attack on the car and how awesome that sequence was. Yeah. So when they built that T Rex, and you know it's a very 
it's a very fine-tuned piece of machinery where like everything had to be really pre-planned and they did not account for that thing ever getting wet like when they were making it and they talked about how like because it's so big like the weight distribution is so important like every movement had to be carefully like measured and scientific because you know if it moves its head four thousand pounds of weight gets redistributed to the right so they have to make sure the whole thing can handle it and they got there and Steven was like, all right, we're running a rain machine for this entire thing. Like, and the second, the, the, the skin soaks up water and all of a sudden the weight's off, everything's oh, off. No. So it was breaking constantly. It, it often, similar to kind of how like with Jaws, how the shark broke and we have to get creative. So they had to get cer- creative with certain shots. But like Kathleen Kennedy has told stories of like, they'd have a break, like go, go have lunch or whatever, right? And they'd shut everything down. And because the water was like seeping into the gadgets, the T-Rex would just come to life and start <gasps> shaking every once in a while. And she just talked about how it was like the most terrifying oh thing. Oh my where, God. Like, like nobody would be working off sudden they'd just be like, like, you know, and they're like, it literally looked like it was waking up. Like, you know, and like, it was just going to start eating everyone and That's shit. That's freaking like, scary. It's, cause yeah, that, <laughs> that thing was like, I think it was like over 10,000 pounds. 40 feet long like it was a giant it was the size of a, like wow you know, like, like there's no way you're not going to be scared near that thing like i wonder where that lives like yeah, i don't know that's crazy this is like a small trivia fact I, I meant to throw at the top but one of the things when spielberg when i said like he saw that technology proved that this movie was ready to be made it was uh him going to universal studios and seeing the king kong that they built because oh. in the king kong ride there's a giant like life-size animatronic king kong that picks stuff up and moves its head and like he said like seeing that where he was like i didn't know we were there like i didn't like i think we could make a dinosaur wow. like you know so and it wasn't just King Kong in the movie that inspired him. It was actually the animatronic. And they hired the guy who built it. Like, yeah. Or like the main guy. That's crazy. Yeah. I will say I really love the scene. Um, you were you mentioned them, like those dinosaurs that kind of like they used ostriches as a yeah, reference yeah. point. The Galphanacus. Exactly. When they're <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> When they're running through, and they've obviously replicated it with the more modern movies, but it's just so cool when they're running through. But then uh, when you see the dinosaurs eating those other dinosaurs, I know that's CGI, yeah. but it was just so cool to like mm-hmm. be that close and just watch them just tear them up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. What do they call Raptors? The raptors, yeah. Ugh. The freaking, the true villains of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not a weird irony that the T-Rex is the hero at the end and saves the day. Like, but what they get, those things are truly terrifying. Yeah. Like, it's, they spend, like I said, the fact, I, there's no way you asked me in this two hour and five minute movie, do the Raptors not show up till an hour and 41 minutes? <laughs> I'd be like, no, the Raptors are everywhere, dude. Like, yeah. And like, technically they're in the opening scene, but you don't see them. You just see the way the grass moves. Like, you know. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Um, There's a scene I, in the sequel where they're walking through the, uh, a super tall grass that's taller than them, mm-hmm. and then raptors start flying through the grass. And oh no! Them. It's it's pretty good. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. When you have that one moment of relief when the kids get to like eat a bunch of yeah. stuff, man, I was like, it's way too quiet. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good with the Jello, just her hand oh, shaking with the Jello. Yeah. Like, just visually, man, this guy gets it. From that to the kitchen scene, the kitchen scene I think was the most traumatic. As for a kid, me. that was the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh. Like in a movie, like I didn't even know because I didn't really see horror movies yet. So like I just I didn't know. Like yeah, that was so like when it turns when when the T Rex is running at her and it turns out to be a mirror. I remember that I probably pooped again like i was just i probably peed again i was just like oh my god like i really thought i was about to watch this little girl get eaten her face eaten yeah that's some good scream crying whatever she was doing dude and props to those velociraptor actors too where like 
According, I don't know, this is just an IMDb trivia. I didn't see it verified, but apparently the Raptor Actus could only work for 15 minutes at a time because it was so uncomfortable to be in that like position. Yeah. So I just want to give him credit, like credit. Like it's fucking awesome. Oh, God. And then like, li- yo, when the Raptor goes up to the window and just breathes into it. Yo, like, my God. so good. Yeah. And again, like that would, it would all be CGI now, but like they, that was a real mechanism that shot air, like. Even when the girl gets sneezed on by the bronchiosaurus, like, <laughs> that was some real-ass goop, you know? Yeah. She was covered in fake goop. I'm sure it sucked for her, but it looked real. I really enjoyed that because I was like, that's what you get for the flashlight thing. Yeah. <laughs> the girl's great. I no, just, I love yeah. Yeah. I guess just because we could talk about, like, scene by scene forever, I'm just going to skip to where my, my note no, is. No, it's just, we're jumping around. We're not going scene by scene. Okay, I'm just talking cool. about what I like. Well, all I've got to say is, I'm not going to call this racist. <laughs> Sounds like you are. (laughs) (laughs) But the fact that once they realize, like, when they reboot the system, they have to manually, like, turn turn something on across the island. Yeah. They send Sam Jackson to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And then they're like, oh, okay, two hours have gone by. We haven't, you know, heard from him. Let's go do it. And they they go out with guns and (laughs) walkie-talkies. You couldn't send Sam Jackson with a (laughs) walkie-talkie? You not even that? Each battalion has a specific code name and mission. Battalion five, raise your hands. You will be the all-important first attack wave, which we will call Operation Human Shield. Hey, wait a minute! Now keep in mind, Operation Human Shield will suffer heavy losses. Battalion fourteen, right? You are Operation Get Behind the Darkies. You will follow Battalion five here and try not to get killed, for God's sake. Are there any questions, men? Yes, soldier. Have you ever heard of the Emancipation Proclamation? I don't listen to hip hop. To be fair, <laughs> to be fair, they might have. Apparently, that in the original script, we were supposed to follow him and he was supposed to die. And I don't remember. I read so much about this movie. It was either he wasn't available for like the re. Something happened where they just had to scrap that and it wasn't the original plan. Okay. And so they rewrote it in that way where like his death was a mystery. But he might have gone out with guns. And like he had a whole scene where he was going to get chased down, fight some raptors. Okay. Get, watch him die. Like, I'm just saying, what, so watching it for the first yeah. time, I was like, oh, so you guys are going to go equipped <laughs> yeah. with walkie talkies and guns. And you just said Sam Jackson with a key? All right. I see. <laughs> I'm sure he had a cigarette dangling. All right. You know, what a dangle he got in this movie. So I love I love the reveal when you find that he dies when his hand comes on her shoulder. Yeah. It would have been funnier if it was a butt because he didn't hold on to his okay. butt. Okay. <laughs> well, that's what the other hand was doing. Yeah. <laughs> holding, yeah. He lost one hand because the other one was holding on to his butt. <laughs> But yeah, that was a great reveal. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Arnold. Um, I did think that it was a clever plant for a sequel to have the Barbasol can sink in the dirt. Damn, so you caught that? Yeah. I never caught that, and I read that recently, and I was like, oh, that's what it was? Like, I didn't really... Well, because they specifically said they're only going to last 36 hours in that thing, so I was like, what kind of sequel setup that someone's going to find that in 36 hours? Oh, like, I don't think so. well, but he said in cool temperatures, or, or something about temperature. Oh, I thought he said, like, make sure, like once it's in this thing, it's only going to last for 36 hours, you got to get it back to us. Oh, I don't so, know, but so I just... to me, I was just like, the odds of someone coming here and digging in that dirt in 36 hours is not... Uh-huh. But you are right where Steven put that in strictly in case they made a sequel and then hilariously michael creighton wrote a sequel like the, he, he wrote a second book so uh-huh. he used that as the basis so like it's never it's not it's nothing he just put it in there just in case you know yeah yeah i just thought it was supposed to just be like an irony of like 
of like like a greed based irony where like all of what's happening is because of this Barbasol can, and now we're just watching it get buried under nature. I think that just could to be, be true like too. like again like nature will fuck you. Like don't fuck with it. It's gonna get you. You know. Right. So it's like and now all these humans are dying because of like the greed represented in that one can. Uh yeah. So that's, that's what cool. I thought it was, but I read online that, and he's like, no, sequel set up. So I, I was going to ask you that, actually, if you thought that, but that's so funny. No, I wrote that down. But it is clever, but yeah, they don't use it at all in the sequel. One of my notes is watching movies like this reminds me that I need to be in shape for moments of disaster <laughs> because they're climbing trees, they're running, yeah, and then climbing... Roly-polying down the hill like a fucking idiot. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I gotta be in shape. How am I supposed to save a kid from a tree if I can't even? I have no upper body strength. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can't run away that fast. <laughs> I can't fit in a. Yeah, I just need to get. In well, shape. don't worry. Bryce Dallas Howard can outrun a T-Rex in Jurassic World while wearing heels. Ugh. First of all, we've already learned the T-Rex can run 40 miles an hour. Yeah. So I wouldn't buy that. She could run 40 miles an hour in running <laughs> shoes, let alone with high heels on. Oh, for but sure. But she doesn't. Oh she outruns his ass. Yo, I am staying still and holding my breath. You won't hear from me. <laughs> and a lot of that stuff, like, as much as we talk about the, rea- the realism of the dinosaurs, a bunch of shit was made up to make a more exciting movie. There's no fucking way standing still he's not going to see. Like, that's completely made up to make a more exciting action moment and to give it, like, a weakness. Uh, you know, like, that's not... There's no s- proof of that or... Yeah, I don't know any if any animal works like that. Like only on movement, not even on smell. Like when he's like right in front oh, of yeah, their face. Oh yeah, smelling them. And yeah. blows the like and blows his hat off. Like it's a great shot, but I'm just like, there's no fucking way he can't sense that there's people right there. Yeah. And they're not being that still. They're still like, you know, <laughs> like they're still shaking. <laughs> so, it's so um, true. So stuff like that was kind of made up. Where like and same thing with Dilophosaurus. I don't think it actually shot venom out. Like it was just like, look, it's, we're still making a movie at the end of the day. Yeah. Which I appreciate. It is crazy though. You can watch the rise of people becoming paleontologists after this movie. Like, oh. like a lot of people went into that field. And honestly, I think it has little ripple effects. Like, I, honestly, I don't think Ross on Friends will be a paleontologist. I was this, just gonna say if, that. If, if, if it's been come out the year before Friends started, you know, like. they actually should have given him a cameo in one of the Jurassic Park movies. <laughs> <laughs> like, like they they're they're bringing a new paleontologist to whatever they do in the second movie, and then like they cut to the paleontologist office and it's Ross and he's like, where are you going, man? He's like, I'm off to Jurassic Park. <laughs> or, or if like, they're like, we have a new paleontologist and it's Ross, but then he dies immediately. Oh, like, like, yes. like, oh. <laughs> like, like a fucking raptor just gets him. <laughs> uh, missed opportunity. I think they could do that in the, I mean, what else? They don't have anything else going for them in these new movies. So <laughs> might as well it's just. It's kind of late to bring Ross in. Uh, it's fucking movies, but it shows up the air for 20 They years. have freaking opened the Friends Cafe. People still love Friends. <laughs> It'll still be a hit. Okay. I think it's a viral NBC. Could all right. all right. I think when we're talking about Herman. No. There's <laughs> nobody named Herman in this movie. What's the the head guy's <laughs> name? Harrison. John Hammond. Hammond. <laughs> I knew it was an H. Herman. <laughs> Herman's definitely a uh, Herman. <laughs> <laughs> When Hammond's just eating ice cream yeah. while his grandkids are I out know. there, I'm like, I don't feel bad for you at all, yeah, I know. sir. And he's like, he's like, it was going to melt because you know, there's no power. So I was like, oh, my guy. Let it melt. Yeah. <laughs> let it melt. 
the talk that your daughter is going to have for you after she finds out what went down. And then he's half-assed also, like when, when Ellie's about to go out and save Sam Jackson. He's like, maybe I should go because I'm a... And you're... I'm like, you old-ass better sit out right now. Son. Right. Oh, that was I mean, funny she scene. gives it to him hard, but yeah. She's like, she's like if you want to discuss sexism when I get back, we can, but I got to go. <laughs> I thought that was And I was fantastic. like, yeah, dude. I was like, Laura Dorn could fuck you up right now. <laughs> That was freaking fantastic. I want to just quickly is also throw out, like, because this is not an easy thing to pull off, but, like, every single, like, quote-unquote action sequence is completely different than another one. Like, oh. this, this is not a redundant movie in any way, shape, or form. Like, the T-Rex attack in the car, there was nothing like that. Getting chased by the T-Rex in the car, there was nothing like yeah. that. The raptors in the kitchen, there's nothing like that. And then all of them in this big open space. Like, each one is so, so fucking unique. And... Like, they fulfill this... Like, there's really not that many different kinds of dinosaurs in the movie. There's probably, like, five or six. But each one is so different, it feels like you've seen a million dinosaurs. Oh, like, for sure. The Brachiosaurus is different than the Galifianakis, which are different, <laughs> than, they're different than the Stegosaurus. You know, like, it's just, like, yeah. it's crazy, man. Like... They really, like, it is not redundant. You're so You know right. sometimes when I complain, we're watching these long blockbusters where I'm just like, by the time we're at the fifth action sequence, I just am, like, falling asleep because I'm like, I just can't. Like, this just keeps happening. I like, mean, you, know, like, you love John Wick, but you were like... Yeah, even that. John Wick 4 was a little too long. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, the reason I think 3 is the best one is because it's so tight and it doesn't fucking ever let you see something twice in a row. Yeah. And I love John Wick 4. I saw it twice in theaters, but, like, it's long and... By the end, I'm a little ready to go home. Like, mm-hmm. and I wasn't, I didn't feel that way with the other ones. Yeah. And I don't feel that way with Jurassic Park. I'm not ready to go home. Like, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I want to just give it the variety where, like, even by the end when they're t- all attack by raptors together, I'm like, this is new. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, I, the original, original ending sequence was going to be something where, like, you know those dinosaur bones that they're, like, hanging off of, like, the ones from the museum? Yes. They were going to, like, use those in different ways to kill the raptors, like, uh, drop them on their heads and stuff. And But uh, they were like, it's got to be the T-Rex. That's cool. Which I think is great, too, because it goes back to the nature aspect, where, like, I love that no one kills dinosaurs in this movie. Except um, dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but, like, the hum- it's not about the humans, like, getting their guns and being like, yeah, we're badass, let's stop these monsters, like... So I kind of think if the climax was all of them working together to kill the raptors, while it would have looked cool, I think it might have hurt the message of the movie. Yeah. And like by letting the predator take out its prey, like then it's more like naturalism will survive. Like the for T-Rex. sure. But I I got goosebumps in that movie when when that T Rex does that final roar and the thing the banner falls down oh, and says dinosaurs yeah. will walk the earth. Mm-hmm. All my hair stood up, <laughs> even though I've seen it a thousand times. Like. So that's good. a great i i mean was that signed cgi because it fell perfectly probably <laughs> i was like wow i can read this yeah, <laughs> exactly i'm, I'm fairly certain it was yeah that was that was really great and then it even ends long at like on the right time like it really like we, we spend a little time with the humans on the helicopter but we know it's over like it's not we don't need to then go watch fucking cut to Laura Dern's house and she has a positive pregnancy test and Sam Neill's like, yay, you know, like, we don't need any of that shit. We don't even need them to talk about, so, those kids, huh? Yeah, it's 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 the way she looked at him holding the kids and smiled, like, that's at everything. Like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, Oh my God, that grandfather needs a talking to. Yeah, haven't. Like, these kids just met this guy a day ago. (laughs) And they're in his arms, you know? Like, they're getting comfort from him. And also, like... I get that he like it was the divorce that made the kids come there, but like if you're in the middle of trying to like do a test to see if your park's safe after someone just died, it's probably not the best right. time. Like, 
But it goes back to his like arrogance of like thinking that he can rule the world, that he's so confident that he will put his grandkids in danger. So yeah. it does work for the character, but yes, as a real person. <laughs> it's so funny. It's obviously, you know, we already talked about how much money this movie's made, and you don't have to even need me to tell you the lasting legacy of it all. Like, tons of sequels, video games, it just, you know, its its legacy has moved on. We don't really need to talk about quite its impact, but just like on a regular level of the film industry, so many filmmakers who would go on to then make a big sci-fi movie cited this as, like, giving them the confidence to know that it could finally be done. Like, mm. like George Lucas always knew he was going to bring Star Wars back, but he said it was he saw what Steven Spielberg did, and he said, now it's time to start. <laughs> like, now I can... Like, I've been waiting for technology to get so big that I can make the Star Wars that's in my head. And then he went on... I mean, I don't like those movies, but he made them. You know, like, he made the next three Star Wars movies right after that. Stanley Kubrick, he ended up dying before he could make it, but he there's a movie called AI from 2001. I don't know, with, like, Haley Joel Osment. Do you remember that? Mm-mm. It It is a Steven Spielberg movie, but originally it was a Kubrick movie, but he died uh, halfway through, and then Spielberg finished it for him. Oh, snap. But... Spielberg, Kubrick said, he saw Jurassic Park and he's like, I can finally make this. It was a movie about an AI, an artificial intelligence boy, a very heady sci-fi movie. And he always just never made it because he was like, it's not going to look like uh-huh. how it looks in my head. And then he saw the dinosaurs and he was like, oh, we could do it. Led to AI. It was still a long ways away, but Peter Jackson said too, like, he only had the confidence to go into Lord of the Rings because he saw the dinosaurs and he was like, we could do it. Like, That's insane. Like, you know, like Lord of the Rings. Basically, so many things. The word unfilmable used to be thrown around all the time mm-hmm. and it kind of went away after this. Like, no longer could people look at an adaptation and be like, we don't, just can't do it. Like, and including superheroes. Like, there's the reason, like, we were, you know, the reason two, 10 years later, Spider-Man swinging around the city in full CGI is because they were like, fuck, we can do it now. Yeah. Like. If you watch Spider-Man in the 70s on TV, it sucks. It's a guy holding a rope <laughs> and swinging from a building to a building very slow. And then, you know, it's like you're not getting the sweet, smooth, sweet movement right. that you would get from an animation. <laughs> they were like, it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> um, so it's like, yeah, it's just like not just the money it made. It like it genuinely changed. This isn't I, I don't know if I truly would say this, but like I read a quote from some film critic or historian who was like Jurassic Park has just, uh, the same effect on the film industry as the invention of sound. Mm. Like it like everything changed. Like it's, it's like or at least for blockbusters, obviously a quiet, you know, movie could still be made. Like not everything was this, but like it was just like holy shit. Like we anything can happen. And then for a while, and that's why the 90s was such a golden era, and then it just became too much. Yeah. <laughs> and now everything's green all the time, and no one ever gets to look at anything real, and it's just sad. Well, nobody's asking if sh- they should. Yeah. <laughs> Superheroes don't even wear their costumes anymore. <laughs> they wear mocap suits, and then they put the, put it over them later. Like, and they don't so have kids. Lame. <laughs> <laughs> it's so lame. All right. Masha, I think let's jump off ahead here and uh, do a little best worst. Roar. <laughs> Do you just want to be obvious and pick a favorite dinosaur? Ooh, best words dinosaur? Yeah. I mean, I can't. I love my boy, the the T-Rex, but the raptors are just too iconic. Those are your best? Of just like, yeah, like... like. Oh, I guess uh, we should agree on what we're considering best. Yeah, you're thinking like of having a pet at home. I'm thinking <laughs> of... I'm thinking of like the execution and like visually how it pulls off you and know effectiveness. What? I'll, I'll... The raptors are the best dinosaur in the movie. Okay, so I'm going to go with you like in terms of like how we're looking at yeah. it i'm changing it okay now. okay cool so yours are the velociraptors yes yeah. okay cool i'm going to choose the freaking i don't know what they're called but the ones that spit the ink the dilophosaurus yeah yeah 
I think the the sound and just how the yeah the um ear thing surprise you. The it's the main that one I do know the main sound was uh, when that came open was a rattlesnake's uh, tail. Oh, they wow. used other stuff and manipulated it, but that was like like the sound like yeah. that's the rattlesnake, which and is the scariest sound. <laughs> I knew they were going to be scary, but I just didn't know how. So I, th- I thought it was going to stop at the ink. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't realize. Well, they say in the dialogue earlier, it says they shoot the ink to blind you so that the way they could eat you without you fighting back. Yeah. Like, yeah. That w- they freaked me out the most. Yeah. Nice. So I'll say best. And even worse is hard. I don't even know, man. They're all great. Yeah. At least in this movie. And some of the sequels, they come out with some that I could have like, that one's kind of stupid. But I think everyone in this movie is like, like dope. I guess we're saying worse, but you know, I guess where it's like less intimidating are the the veggie eaters. Yeah, but they're great. They're so cool. They're so awesome. Yeah, it's tough. In the sequels, there are these little tiny motherfuckers called compies, and they they run around. Those are probably the worst, but they're not in this movie. Yeah. Uh, there's like there's there's like three or four scenes that were in the book that they didn't put in this movie, but they almost all ended up in the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, it's. I don't know. I don't, I don't know why I'm telling you that, but like, <laughs> because those those comp, the opening scene of the book ends up being the opening scene of the second movie, and it involves those little dinosaurs. Uh-huh. And a lot of it was just they were like, we can't create like twelve dinosaurs. Like you know, like it's it's already hard enough what we're doing here, so right. they cut some stuff out. And there's like a there's a famous scene in the book apparently where they're going down river on like a boat, and the T Rex is running along the river trying to get them. And uh, they put that in the sequel as well. So like they oh, cool. like Spielberg like the stuff he let put out was more just like economical and then he is like it's like it still works you yeah say so, i don't really have a worst i came up with a pretty simple one of just like best worst sequence because like there's so much just masterful like di- dinosaurs meeting people at times uh-huh and at my best it's it's mixed i mean we already talked about both of them but raptors in the kitchen and t-rex in the rain with the car like yeah those two i could watch over and over and over <laughs> again and then as far That's as the worst I, I don't really have a lot of gripes with this movie so i don't even think i could come up with the worst but if i had to pick one it would probably be when they're looking at the stampeding Galafees or whatever, and then the T-Rex comes out and eats one. Yeah. That part is awesome, but it it starts off where it seems like it's going to be, like, a really scary scene, and then they're like, we need to get out of here, and they just kind of, like, walk out of frame, and, yeah. like, they're fine. I don't necessarily want it to be a big action scene, but because we're doing Best Worst, I was like, all right, that was one where I was, like, bracing for something, and it didn't happen. I see. You know? But it still, it works. Like, I'm not going to say it's... Worse. I see. Do you have any best words on sequence? Um, I. I admit, I guess I guess I'm in dinosaur sequence because you know, like if we're gonna say sequence, it could be anything. Yeah. Huh. I I think I'm gonna agree with you and say the kitchen sequence as my best one. Yeah. But I will say, and the one time in the theater where I actually like quite literally jumped out of my chair was when they are sort of jumping around on the bones of the T Rex. Yeah. And the velociraptor like goes up to chomp the little girl yeah. like my legs like lifted up from my seat so i thought that was really good just to add another scene to the mix yeah and then for my worst it's not a worst because i actually love it but and I, i'm glad we didn't get to see the payoff but when the velociraptors you know how they planted the seed of like one 
one will look at you dead in the eye while the other two yeah. like come at you at the sides. We didn't get the payoff to see that guy die, but uh, like, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. It is a PG thirteen movie though, so yeah. like you can't go too hard on the brute. Like, there's not like a lot of blood and stuff. Yeah, and it's so funny because when we f- we are introduced to that guy at the very top of the movie because he's the one sort yeah. of His facilitating. I he gave me like abuser of animals vibes. Yeah. Like I didn't know that he was like actually a good guy yeah 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 <laughs> he was always on the fence for me nice yeah i, I, I bet they did that on purpose to kind of play with it like because mm-hmm. in, in the world movies like that kind of that type of characters there but it's so fucking over the top like it's vincent d'onofrio and he's just like we gotta we gotta use these animals as weapons we're gonna send them to iraq we're gonna send yeah. the, the velociraptors to iraq and it's gonna be the best and i'm just like oh my god <laughs> like again with this like no realism like it's like just like dude you gotta have some kind of yeah thought process besides like your one agenda cool so uh why don't we uh i want to know about the franchise so we could dive into beyond the credits let's go so it's no secret that this movie was incredibly successful and spawned a bunch of sequels spawned i don't like using the word trilogy i feel like every time there's three movies everyone says the trilogy eh, i don't really think that's true i think a trilogy needs to be like a story that's told in three parts. Oh, so, I like, see. So, like, there was originally three Jurassic Park movies, so it was always sold as, like, the Jurassic Park trilogy. Actually, uh-huh. no trilogy. It's just two sequels to a movie. And it's not the same cast in all three? It's not always, but everyone's everyone who survives this movie is at least in one other movie. Even the kids? Yeah, but not in big roles. Okay. So, in, in this next, the next one's the second best movie. It's called The Lost World, and Steven Spielberg directed it. It's based on Michael Crichton, but it's the only other one that's based on his book. Like right. All the other sequels are just whatever. But at that one, uh, Jeff Goldblum's the main character. Oh. And <laughs> so he's in the whole movie, but like Hammond is in the beginning. Like He kind of sends him on the mission, and then at some point he sees... He's trusting this guy? <laughs> yeah. Wait, what do you mean? He's trusting Hammond to send him on missions? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's not. He tricks him. He not oh, tricks him, but okay. it's... And um, and then the kids are in it for like a scene, like the two kids, but it's literally one scene. And then in the third movie, Alan Grant comes back. So Alan Grant, the main character, Sam Neill. Okay. <laughs> Sam Neill comes back, and he's the main character of that movie. And then with in, no Dern. I don't think so. Maybe she has like a quick scene, but I don't think so. It's been a while since she's I've home seen. with the kids. Yeah, I haven't seen three in ages. <laughs> um, and then in this last, last, last one, like everybody's in it, like Goldblum, Dern, fucking uh, Sam Neill. And you saw that? Yeah. And Jurassic it was World Three? Not really. All right. It was better than two, but I think two was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> so eh, if, if if you like them and and you want something better than two, sure. But it's just didn't really mm. work for me. Mm-hmm. There's a couple sequences. There's one. There's a girl swimming in the water at one point, and like you see this like alligatory dinosaur chasing her very slowly, yeah. and like the suspense of that scene to me felt the closest to the first movie that they like ever hit. Okay. So I, I will say there's a couple sequences in the newest newest one that I don't hate, but as a movie, God no. Which is how I feel about the second one. Um, it's not bad, and there's really some re- there's some good stuff in it. I just think when you watch it from like the start to the end, it's painfully boring. Like mm. I think a lot of the characters suck. It does what this first movie didn't do, which was like focus on the humans for so long, where you're just like, I hate these people. <laughs> but when it comes down to the dinosaur stuff, like it's the same craftsmanship as there. Like it's it's filmed with the same sense of awe and beauty, and like they do sequences that they couldn't have done in this first movie. So like I think Lost World is worth seeing. Okay. And it's still Spielberg. And then yeah, th- then the rest is like kind of whatever. 
But so my kind of theory, outside of the overuse of CGI and the stuff that kind of everyone's been saying about these new ones, but I think the problem with all of them, kind of including two also, that this movie did where it's like, I would never call Jurassic Park 1 a horror movie, but when it's time to get scary, it's shot and feels like a horror movie. Mm -hmm. Out of context, if you only saw that kitchen sequence, it's kind of like a horror movie. It's not, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's the whole movie itself isn't horror, but it knows to employ those tactics when it's time for the dinosaurs and to shoot it and treat it like a horror movie. And every sequel treats this franchise like it's an action franchise. Mm -hmm. And like, especially the Jurassic World movies. The amount of times motherfuckers are like driving motorcycles, shooting guns and like explosions and just like, whoa, isn't this exciting? Like, to me, that's just like fundamentally not what this first movie is. And I think that's like the main reason I don't like the sequels. I, I, I have problems galore for them, but like the reason why at the end of the day, even when I like stuff in them, this is the only one that I like is kind of feels like a horror movie to me mm -hmm. it's fucking scary and like it treats it's it's not a monster movie but like it shoots it in a way where like a killer is coming after you and you need to do anything to survive as opposed to being like we need to get that gun to shoot this thing or we need to get on that helicopter and drop a bomb like it's just like it's w so action focused and i think that's like it loses the heart of the whole thing right and it's the reason why i just don't love any of those sequels like <laughs> i like some of them i hate some of them but i don't love any of them yeah and like i i kind of think that's what it is hmm. you can see it work in other ways where like if you look at terminator one and two terminator one is very close to a horror movie it's shot in a way where it's like arnold schwarzenegger's michael myers you can't stop him he always comes for you and you're running and then for two they switched it up and made it an action movie and they also did it with aliens first one's horror second one's action but that's also james cameron both times so like i kind of think that's his thing so it's, it's weird it can work, but for it just doesn't for this franchise, and I just hate that I watch it and just like feel like empty from what I want in the horror. And then what's even more frustrating is after Jurassic World two, which to reiterate, I hate. <laughs> it's, the, it's my <laughs> least favorite one. I genuinely was like, I don't even think I'm going to see the next one. There was a break in between those movies by a couple of years, and the director whose name escapes me—I want to say Gareth Edwards, but I might be wrong. The director of the Jurassic World movies, he directed a short film based on Jurassic, like based on the world of Jurassic Park and released it on YouTube to kind of get hype going. Yeah. And this fucking short film, maybe I'm wrong. I only saw it once like five, six years ago at this point. But like my I memory remember. was that it was good. Like it was, it's just uh, Jurassic World 2, spoiler, it ends with the dinosaurs going into the real world for the first time. They're not on Wait, that island. happens in 2? Oh, Jurassic World 2. End of Sorry. two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they, they're, they're, out, they're off the island and they're going to be in the real world. Yes. So the promise of the next movie, which I don't think it really did, was that like we're going to see like how it affects ev how everywhere there's dinosaurs now and we got to figure it out. So in between, he made a short that's just about a family camping. They're in a camper. It's nighttime. And then a triceratops just shows up and starts like terrorizing the camper. And it's very similar to the T-Rex car scene. And like it's just it's filled with tension and scares and and just like it's shot like a horror movie, lit like a horror movie. And like, it's not about who can kill this dinosaur. It's about, can we survive? And I was so hyped after I saw this. It's like eight minutes. I don't even remember what it is. It's short. And I was like, holy fucking shit. Like maybe he always knew what Jurassic world was and the studio wouldn't let him do it, but now uh -huh. he's going to do it. And then 
spoiler alert, I was very disappointed when none of that was really in the third movie and it, it felt just like the first two movies again. Uh-huh. So I don't know where that came from, but it was kind of my, well, favorite, my favorite Jurassic Park sequel is the short film that came out between Jurassic World that's so 2 funny. and 3. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, if he's making this passionately on the side on its own, that, on his own, yeah. then I feel like the studio's probably like, nah, we need we need this to be for the families. Yeah. We gotta... And, and a lot of comedy. They added tons of comedy into the sequels too, which they just like, and they're like slap sticky type stuff yeah do you remember in the one you saw jurassic world 2 when the the t-rex or whatever the fuck it was was like tranquilized and then like chris pratt had to like move around him and oh his, yeah his eyes opened and it had to be like that old fucking i don't even know whose bit it was abbott and costello probably where one person is standing behind the other and moving as they move so they yes. can't and it's just the goofiest looking fucking thing and it's just like that kind of humor is prevalent all over even i didn't tell you when i was doing my research you weren't home but randomly Jurassic Park 2 was on TNT <laughs> while I was doing my research for this. Wow. So I was watching Jurassic Park 2 and like there's like a fight scene that's so goofy and then the guy who like gets beat up is like Ugh! and then like walks into a pole and hits his nuts and it makes like the nut hitting noise like Doing! and like and I was just like what the fuck is going on? Like I was like because I haven't seen Jurassic World 2 or Park 2 in ages. Yeah. And I was like because I didn't remember any of that and I was like what a jarring jump from the first one to this one. Like That sounds terrible. Um so yeah, they, it's like they added comedy and took away the horror, and I just I think that's the fundamental problem with the franchise. If I were to pitch like after Jurassic Park, the first one, yeah, I really love this whole narrative of like man playing God and yeah. just like what other things would somebody like another Hammond 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 yeah nice. Um, personality want to bring back or like, you know, like I just feel like it just opens so many doors of like, listen, like they tried this once with Jurassic Park, like don't do this again. And like, what other things can we bring back from our past and what other chaos can ensue? You know, like I just feel like it would have been so cool to see that. Yeah, I think so. And you could still call it Jurassic Park. Yeah. And just have like a man versus nature type type thing, you know, like. I mean that's and that's like Michael Crichton's bread and butter. I don't. I've never really read a lot of his books. It wasn't a book. It it was a movie. But he wrote and directed Westworld in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Not, not the new one, but the original yeah. movie. And that's the same thing. It's about these people build robots, and then they're like, "Look how fucking sick this is," and then the robots come like fuck everybody up. Yeah. You know, it's it's his bread. It's it's what he likes to write. But like, yeah, yeah I, cool. I think there's so many ways you can explore that theme that I feel like it doesn't really do. That sucks. And then also, like, the explanation, like, it, literally in the next movie, there's, like, another island that we didn't know about. <laughs> like, like it's just literally, like, Hammond's like, all right, look, we actually had two islands, and some shit's going on in the second island. And, like, that's, that's like, the plot. Yeah. Just like, okay. And he wasn't convicted for any of those murders. Yeah. <laughs> he's just fine. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum has a black daughter in the second one. Really? Yeah. It's not explained. You never see her mom, and she's definitely not played by a mixed actress, so it's really hard to buy that she's his daughter. Like, like, like it doesn't look like. Is that who the black woman plays in Jurassic World? No, I don't know. Oh, oh I mean, <laughs> maybe that's their idea. Everyone's someone's son at some <laughs> point. You know? It's just funny that they were doing it for, like, probably just be like, hey, look, it's, like, progressive. Like, it'd be cool. Like, you know, like, let's, let's challenge yeah. the system. But by casting someone who's definitely not mixed, like, it's just, like... Like, the skin tone's way too dark to be Jeff Goldblum's That's daughter. That's so it's just, funny. It's just physically impossible. Like, you look at it, you're just like, I, no. <laughs> Adoption. Yeah. I Sir- think Julianne Moore's his girlfriend. I can't remember. What the? All right. In the second one. It's not oh. bad. It, um, it's worth a watch if you ever, if you ever like, bored and put it on. Oh, sorry. I'm adding on to my idea beyond the credits again. Go for it. So, 
you know that whole thing where I was like, just bring back the veggie dinosaurs. Yeah. Like I could see a world where like the the young granddaughter is all grown up and she's like, no, my grandfather was onto it, but he was doing it all wrong. Like he, you just bring back the harmless ones, and like that goes wrong somehow. Ma- maybe uh, like somehow nature like turns them into carnivores the same way it turned the females into males. Yeah, like, you know, something. Like, you know, I just think that would be that's way cool. more interesting. That's pretty cool. But in the second one, the T-Rex does get loose in San Francisco, so that is fun. Okay. <laughs> that's that's like that's kind of what the whole movie everyone remembers about it. It's like, going up hills and stuff. People, yeah, yeah. It goes to the Full House house. <laughs> like anytime I say I don't like the sucker one, everyone's like, "What the fuck are you trying to do?" The T Rex rampages through San Francisco. I'm like, "Yeah, for like eight minutes." Huh. It's still like a two hour movie that I find very boring. Like, that's what I mean. I love scenes from the second one, but I remember last time I tried to watch it in one sitting, I was like, "I'm falling asleep." <laughs> like it's just, it, I don't think it's paced well, and the characters are nowhere near as like endearing. Mm. All right, I gotta I gotta wrap this one up and bring it on home. We've been talking for a while on the old park here, but I mean I've said it all once. I just just to go back, I genuinely think this is not only an entertaining movie, not only a movie that's fun to watch for a lot of ages, good for the family, but like a true game changer in just movie making. Granted, my biases are my age. Like a lot of people will say this about Jaws as well, but like I just think this was like just the changer of everything that Steven Spielberg kind of saw ahead and like. This is the perfect example of the like why he's a great filmmaker, and I don't you might not love every single movie he's made. I certainly don't, but like when everything works together, it's like no one can do what he does, and I just feel like just like Cameron said, like it wouldn't have been as good if he made it. So it's just, it's such a perfect example of like art meeting technology, meeting like forward thinking, and even though I'm not that excited about the modern state of blockbusters, I'm not gonna get mad at these guys it's more like the people who copied it with the wrong ideas Mm -hmm. seeing it on the big screen again it just it truly proved that like you can water some shit like this down all day and the original is still fucking delicious yeah all in all i think this is just a very influential movie i think it's gonna stand the test of time and i'm glad that i proved to myself that like it didn't get kind of muddled in the mix of just being like well i saw the newer one and like, you know, because like as much as I love Terminator 1, it's a masterpiece, but I think Terminator 2 is so good, it kind of takes away from that first one a little bit where you watch the first one again and you're like, the potential, <laughs> so much of it, but that second one, wow. <laughs> that's just my opinion. Some people will think I'm crazy. But all that, I just, yeah, man, this is, I think everything lined up perfectly to have this be your first viewing experience of this. And I, I what I wanted to happen for the first time you saw it happen, whether or not you feel how you feel is up to you. So I think I need to ask <laughs> our most important question, which is Masha, uh, um, uh, do you uh, uh, love um, what I love? I love it. Well, I think this movie is overhyped. Fuck you. I'm mad. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> that's so funny no i freaking loved it Ah. (laughs) it was really great i honestly do think that if we didn't watch this in a theater i don't know that like i probably would have loved it i want to say that i would have at least had to watch it at someone's house with like a great tv and a good sound like if we watched at our house with our mediocre tv and no sound bar yeah i wouldn't have allowed but i'm just saying like the impact of the theater for a first time experience i think really influenced my takeaway um which is that i love it good that's and that was exactly what i wanted (laughs) 
It's, it's it's stressful. Like you just when you show someone something like this that you love so much that meant so much to you, and they're like, "That's pretty good." And you're just like, <laughs> "Fuck, man, that's brutal. It hurts. Yeah. It hurts me." But I also did that thing where like I mentally put myself in 1993. Yeah, yeah. so it was freaking awesome in that way. Yeah, like if you just act like you've never seen that shit before, then you'll be like, "What the fuck? Like, how is this yeah. on the screen?" And honestly, it looks so good that it still to today. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't be like, oh, like for the time it looks good. Like, no, it looks good now. Still, yeah, still, yeah, and sounds good. And which is crazy too, because not everything does. Like, like we were, uh, you and I had the TV on, and um, like Sam Raimi's Spider Man was on. It's still a great movie, but like now when I see that end sequence of Spider Man swinging, it's like everything is CGI and it's not there yet, mm-hmm. so it looks like PlayStation to me. And I'm like, I get that, like, I, but I, at the time, I didn't believe that. In 2001, it blew my goddamn mind. But as time has moved on and you watch stuff with better, you're just like, I see, I see. I don't really see a lot of the cracks in this. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And even as, mu- like, as much as I love Terminator 2 and always compare it because that's the other movie that changed special effects, that movie, all the special effects, none of it was replicating realism. So it was allowed to look a little off. It was mm-hmm. a liquid metal man, you know, like, yeah. like he was transforming. So like it didn't have to look. We didn't have to believe it was real because we were buying in this borderline magic. In this, even though this is sci-fi, it still like had to look real, and mm-hmm. it does. And mm-hmm. I just don't really get. Well, I do know I would get it because every time it's a close-up, it's not CGI, and they save that for the wide shots, so you you could see it. But um, it's fucking yeah. Seeing it in theaters was great, and I will say, while I would have preferred you not seeing it in 3D, because this 3D was actually like supervised by Spielberg and done. Because this was, it was redone for 3D, I think, like, in 20, I don't know, whenever the 25th anniversary was. That was when it was re-released in 3D for the first time. And, like, Spielberg was part of the, part of it and, like, signed off. Like, it wasn't just, like, some, like, half-assed company, like, eh, we'll make it 3D. Like, those motherfuckers put in a lot of work. And, like, so for, well, I don't really like 3D that much, it was pretty good 3D. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not mad at it. It just wasn't, like, intentionally, like, shot thinking of that oh, so that's 100%. why i was like eh, the only the one time it worked truly great though was when uh lex the girl was hanging in the rafters and that raptor jumped up oh, to bite her because yeah. he jumped out of the screen and, like that was the one time i was like all right that worked yeah. <laughs> my legs jerked up oh man i'm so happy you love it all right folks that's our show thank you so much for listening if you're enjoying our podcast be sure to subscribe and tell a friend also if you have the time take a moment to rate and review every bit of feedback helps I'm Masha. And I'm Andy, and I hope you love what I love.